This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, what's up? My Take Radio, episode 60 for Thursday, September 23rd, 2010. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury. The artist was Vertex Guy, and you can download that and any of the other intro music from previous episodes at ocremix.org. That's the letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call in number 347-324-3541. All right, episode 60. We're 60 episodes in the hole, well on, well on our way to episode 100. Um, very happy to have gotten this far. Definitely want to thank all the fans that have supported the show from the beginning. You guys have done a fantastic job in raising awareness and getting the word out there. Um, definitely Twitter's been a great help, the Facebook fan page. Appreciate all the support that have gotten us through 60 episodes so far. A couple of things I want to discuss uh, before getting into some housekeeping. We have successfully gotten 1,200 downloads for the month of September already via Libsyn. Um, As you know, you can obtain the show from iTunes. You can also go to Libsyn or through Blog Talk Radio or through MyTakeRadio.com or through the Zoom Marketplace. Or, of course, you can also pick up the My Take Radio app at the Apple iTunes store as well. Nonetheless, via Libsyn, we've already got 1,300 downloads. Uh, for the, uh, well, excuse me, we've gotten 1,200 downloads. Hopefully, I can clear 1,300 or 1,500 before the month is over. That would be fantastic. Um, definitely want to welcome all of our international listeners that I've seen pop up um, on some of the stats from China, the U.K., uh, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, definitely want to hear from you guys, those of you that speak English or are listening to the show and primarily speak English and are transplants. By all means, drop me a line at mtrhost.gmail.com. Let me know uh, how you're obtaining the show and in what country it's being broadcast. That would really be great to hear from you guys from abroad. That would That would be huge. It would help me to understand what you guys like about the show, what you want to hear more of. So definitely would like to hear from the international listeners. Um, So I'm very proud of that. New York Comic Con, of course, is October 8th through the 10th. Of course, we're going to be covering it. There will be coverage throughout the day from the Comic Con site at the New York Javits Center. It will probably be mostly picture posts or short text posts throughout the day just to keep things updated. Um, hopefully I'll be able to also put in updates through the Facebook fan page and hopefully also upload some pictures. We're going to see how that goes throughout the day. In addition to that, I'm um, going to try and fill up the guest calendar for the month of October leading up to Comic-Con and past Comic-Con just because 
you know, I think that definitely some different guests that cover different areas of the show would definitely help move things along. Plus, it's always good to in- integrate new fans that those guests bring in. So you'll be hearing about more guests this week and hopefully in the coming weeks as well, either via MyTakeRadio.com or the Facebook fan page. Um, tonight's guest, I'm going to be joined by Ronando, Ronando Long from Superhero Stop. Whoop from SuperheroStuff.com, and we're actually going to be discussing a lot of the comic book movies coming out. We're also going to discuss some of the stuff that Superhero Stuff offers, and we're going to talk a little bit about Comic-Con, so that's going to be coming up later on in the movie segment. In addition to that, of course, you know that the donation button's on MyTakeRadio.com. You know the deal with that. Um, once things improve and you know the, so, the, the site and the show start bringing in revenue, I have decided that I will be removing the donation button, so that's something that, you know, you won't be seeing sooner rather than later, hopefully. The forums, as always, are really active. I haven't been in there. I know Slick holds down the fort in the forums, as well as Bronx and Bob. Uh, Those guys do a great job in keeping the forum active. My apologies to them and to you guys for not being in there often. Just have a couple of things going on that don't allow me to post in there as much as I'd like. Nonetheless, definitely stop in MyTakeRadio.com slash forums, and you feel free to join if you haven't, and if you have joined, then why aren't you in there? Uh, we are a lot uh, more lenient than MySpace or any of the other forums. I let a lot of shit slide, and I'm not saying that to promote the forum, but just that, you know, I know we're all adults, well, most of us anyway, and I know that adult conversation can definitely be had in there, so definitely stop by the forums when you get a chance. The Facebook fan page, we are pretty much past the 380 mark. I'm trying to contemplate maybe doing something for uh, when we reach 400 fans or maybe 500 fans. Um, That's still being deliberated and discussed. But nonetheless, if you feel that there are other people out there that will like what we have to offer, definitely direct them to the fan page and to the site. Or, you know, just tell them about the app and they can catch the show on there. And lastly, of course, my fiancé is still doing the Making Strides for Breast Cancer Walk. She is still uh, collecting donations. You can find the link for it on the site, excuse me, on the site or on my personal fan page, if I know you personally, off the air. You can find it there, but I will be posting the link again after tonight's broadcast just to make sure that um, people that haven't donated or didn't know where to go can donate. So, Definitely do that. Like I said, that's that's a cause that's very close to me, and every little bit helps. Um, you can donate as little as five bucks. You know, that's one less Starbucks drink, one less McDonald's combo. You know, do the right thing. Make it make the right contribution for the right reason. So definitely check that out as well. All right. With that said, here's a rundown of tonight's topics. Of course, like I said, Renando Long from Superhero Stuff is going to be stopping in for the movie segment. Um, I'm going to be talking about The Ultimate Fighter. We're going to talk about what happened with Chael Sonnen. It's all over the place, what happened with him. That also changes the scope for the UFC main event involving him and Anderson Silva. I'm going to get into that a little bit in detail. We're going to talk about the Merco Crow Cop news and how the web was a flutter with injury rumors. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss the release of an Ultimate Fighter winner as well and Night of Champions I'm going to recap that, go into a little bit of detail about that, and Monday Night Raw, some TNA news. We got a decent amount of video game news. Things are a little quiet on that front since, you know, usually September and October are fairly quiet. 
Um, you don't really start getting a lot of stuff till the end of October and then throughout November and December. So definitely some video game news. Um, there's going to be a lot of Marvel movie news, Marvel movie news talk this week. Um, just because a couple of things have been going on, X-Men First Class, Ghost Rider 2, uh, things of that nature, a little bit of Spider-Man talk as well, and um, that's pretty much it. Let's get this ball rolling and start with some MMA first. Of course, Mirko Krokop will be fighting Frank Mir this weekend for UFC 119, I believe. I don't have my notes completely in front of me. Um, it seems that the main event is supposed to be uh, Frank Mir fighting Mirko Krokop, of course. The big thing on the web this week was that Mirko Krokop suffered an injury. Originally, it was said that it was false, and it was um, false reporting from a Croatian news site. As the weeks and days went on, well, as the week went on, I should say, it started coming to light that he was injured and that he may not be cleared to fight. That's the problem sometimes with the web, that it propagates a whole bunch of bullshit Turns out that he is cleared to fight. He did have an eye injury of sorts, but based on, you know, how he looks and the fact that he got cleared, he will be fighting Frank Mir this weekend. Uh, definitely a, um, a card that I'm on the fence about ordering, not because it's not a good card, because, I mean, Matt Serra is fighting on that card. He's fighting Chris Lytle. you got Frank Mir on that card fighting Crow Cop. There's, there's a couple of great matchups there. I think I'll probably be making a decision for that. It's going to be probably a game-time decision at some point Saturday afternoon if we're going to watch it. Nonetheless, Mirko Krokop is scheduled to fight. He will be fighting Frank Mir, so definitely a main event to keep an eye on for sure just because you get to see some really talented heavyweights put on some great fights. In addition to that, you got um, Little Nog. He's going to be fighting Ryan Bader. That's going to be a great fight. And, of course, Matt Serra versus Chris Lytle is another fight I'm looking forward to as well. So you can check that out this weekend at 10 p.m. on your local cable provider. It's going to be on pay-per-view and in HD as well, so you can check that out. Uh, now, Chael Sonnen, lots to discuss. As many, as many of you have heard me discuss over the last couple of episodes, you know, I like Chael Sonnen. He's great. He's a great hype man. He knows how to generate interest for a fight. Great fight with Anderson Silva. Hell, even fight of the year candidate turns out that recently it was reported that he tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, I believe it was from the post-UFC 117 drug test. As it turns out, it, the story takes a turn for, towards the, the strange for a couple of reasons. Number one being that they're saying that when Chael Sonnen went to do the drug test, he said that he may test positive for it. He may test positive for something. The reasoning for that, don't know. He was supposed to actually be on MMA Live this week to discuss those allegations and what's happening, but he actually had to pull out. I don't know if it's because he doesn't want to um, hurt his case or anything like that. It's real unfortunate because I really did want to hear what happened. And before people start talking about, oh, he was juicing this, that, and the third, there's many different ways that you can come out with elevated testosterone levels yeah, performance-enhancing drugs are a culprit, but there's plenty of over-the-counter supplements that can also raise test levels, whether he told them or not what he was using. Again, we don't know, but due to him testing positive, he is automatically suspended for one year, which is, which is really fucked up. He get, he's eating a one-year suspension, and um, this, of course, puts his fight in jeopardy, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a, of a breakdown 
Uh, the California State Athletic Commission um, has been informed, this is the article, that um, Chael Sonnen failed the post-fight drug screening. Um, basically, Anderson Silva's manager, of course, was uh, asked to comment about the situation. He said, if it's true, I really feel bad for him. I know he did it to himself, and it's really sad. He put on such a great performance that night. It's just a shame that it will be tarnished, which is unfortunate. Um, according to what they've said and according to MMA Junkie, uh, Chael Sonnen will be appealing the one-year suspension and $2,500 fine. Um, his manager went on to say, there's not much else I can say at this point. It's our policy not to comment on pending actions by the Athletic Commission. Chael is consulting with his legal advisors and physicians and will have a statement in the near future. Chael will file an appeal with the California State Athletic Commission and looks forward to working with the commission to resolve this matter. In regards to an appeal, CSAC Director George Dodd said the following, we always, say you ha you want, we always say you want to make the appeal at the next commission meeting. The next meeting after that probably won't be until the following year from what I understand. He has a rematch with Anderson Silva possibly in February. He'll probably be maintaining the suspension unless he gets on the agenda next time. In regards to that, it's saying that he had um, high testosterone to estrogen level, which, of course, is indicative of anabolic steroid use. Nonetheless, you know, it, these tests came to light prior to the fight, and if he was allowed to go on with the fight because there was going to be a second test, which, which is the one that ended up testing positive. It's really unfortunate again, and I really would like to get to the bottom of it because there's a couple of different things. Like I said, Chael Sonnen said, to the athletic commission when he went for the drug test that he was going that he was going to test positive which is indicative of the fact that the athletic commission knew prior to him fighting that he may test positive so why didn't they get further information or clarification and let the fight go on that's one thing it, you know it opens up a couple of scenarios do you blame Chael Sonnen do you blame the athletic commission for reacting um, I would say poorly. There's a lot of different factors, and I'm not really going to exercise judgment in saying, oh, Chael Sonnen's a cheater, and this, that, and the third, so all the facts are out. It is unfortunate, though, because his suspension, um, the next rumored fight was supposed to be uh, Vitor Belfort against Yushin Okami, and that, that would be a number one contender's fight to fight the winner of Silva Sonnen, too. As it turns out, that has all been changed given the whole big thing with Chael Sonnen now. Vitor Belfort has actually been removed from his fight with Yushin Okami, and he will be fighting Anderson Silva either sometime in late January or in February, depending on which news sources you listen to. Some people are saying that Anderson Silva's ribs aren't going to be 100% until at least February. As such, Nate Marquardt moves up into the slot vacated by Belfort, and he will be fighting Yushin Okami in a number one contender's fight to meet the winner of Belfort and Silva, which is really unfortunate. Um, I think that it, it just throws the whole thing now into a complete fucking tailspin because obviously everybody was hyped for Anderson Sonnen too. Um, Sonnen's credibility is hurt. If it turns out that he did use any sort of an anabolic steroid, it makes him look like a cheat to the fans. Look, Everybody cheats in sports. It happens. It's unfortunate. Again, this puts a, a huge, huge blemish on him just because, obviously, you know, you can say that, oh, he was on steroids. That's why he beat Anderson Silva's ass. People can debate that all they want. I'm just going to look at it from the fact that 
he got caught out there, and who knows, maybe he was taking a supplement that elevated his test levels, and if he can legitimately prove that and has a physician there, maybe the suspension will get reduced to six months. Who knows? But right now, his title, his second title shot is out the window. And I, and I find it highly unfortunate just because, like I said, I, I like Sonnen. I like the way he carried himself, the way he promoted the fight. Uh, he was really a, a, a no-nonsense kind of a dude. It's strange that it came out the way it came out, and we're definitely going to be discussing it in the coming weeks. So that's that's the story with Chael Sonnen. And once I get more information, you'll hear it either on the Facebook fan page or maybe I'll put an article together um, in detail so that that way I don't, you know, put any remarks that are untrue or that don't have any sort of legit backup. So sucks for Chael, man, and it sucks for the fans that were really looking forward to Silva Sonnen too. Moving on, the UFC actually has released one of their Ultimate Fighter winners. That would be Ultimate Fighter Season 8 winner, Efrain Escudero. Um, he actually lost in, a, in the third-round submission to Charles Oliveira last week. Um, Escudero had gone 3-2 and two in the octagon, and a lot of people are saying he didn't live up to the expectations placed on him after winning the show. Again, a really talented guy. Guy was 13-2. and two. Yeah, he was 3-2 and two in the UFC, but he had a ton of talent. Um, he was definitely a great athlete to have to help connect with the Latino fans. You, you know, it, it happens, but I'll tell you this much. I think that if Escudero goes and, you know, he sharpened his skills in Strike Force or Bellator, I'm more than sure he'll be back in the, in the near future for sure. I mean, the guy has talent, and these are guys that if they're released, you know, that they, they, if they go on a tear in other sports and in other I mean, in other organizations, they are going to make their way back to the UFC. So I, I think for Escudero, it's just a bump in the road, and I don't think it's the last we'll see of him in the UFC. Spike TV is celebrating the month of October with the aptly named Brocktober um, in honor of Brock Lesnar. Uh, first off, you're going to get the UFC primetime special for Lesnar versus Velasquez, which is going to debut on October 6th. Like I said last week, that's going to run in three parts, October 6th. October 13th, and the 20th. On October 20th, they're also going to be replaying UFC 116, which was Brock Lesnar's fight against Shane Carwin, so you can definitely check that out. In addition to that, they're going to be replaying some of these other specials. If you're a fan of Brock Lesnar, you can check this out. UFC All Access Brock Lesnar, that's going to be October 7th at 1 a.m. and October 9th at 2 p.m. UFC Unleashed is going to have Lesnar versus Heath Herring from UFC 87 and that's going to be October 6th and October 23rd. Uh, UFC Unleashed is also going to have the Lesnar versus Randy Couture from UFC 91. That's going to be October 6th at 8 p.m. and October 23rd at 7 p.m. And the last two are going to be Lesnar versus Frank Mir 2 from UFC 100. That's going to be at 9 p.m. on the 6th, 8 p.m. on the 23rd. And lastly, UFC Unleashed, Lesnar versus Mir 1, which, of course, was the one where Lance where Frank Mir ended up catching Brock Lesnar in the um, heel, I, I believe it was a heel hook or ankle submission, giving Brock Lesnar his first loss in the octagon. That's from UFC 81, and you can catch that October 23rd at 3 p.m. That's pretty much going to wrap up the MMA news for this week. I'm going to take a brief commercial break. We're going to come back and talk some wrestling right after these messages. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like <laughs> Well you won't listen to that on our show. 
because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, and we're back. Let's talk some wrestling. A couple of things. Wrestling news, again, a little light, but I definitely want to get it into Night of Champions a little bit. A lot of people were really looking at this pay-per-view with close, close attention because there was a couple of title unifications. There's usually a lot of title changes. And not only that, there's rumblings that WWE is going to start unifying all their titles in the near future leading up to WrestleMania. How legit that is, I don't know. But I'll tell you this much. Night of Champions, from top to bottom, was a solid pay-per-view. There were certain things I didn't like, but overall it, it, it was fairly good. First off, to open it up was the IC title match with Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston. Uh, the stipulation was that Ziggler can lose the title on a countout or a DQ. Of course, there was some involvement from Vicky Guerrero, and uh, Dolph Ziggler ended up getting the pinfall with his finisher, called the zigzag, which I think is a fucking terrible name for a finishing move. Why don't you just call it the douchebag at this point? There's definitely better names for finishers. Zigzag is not one of them. The second match was the CM Punk versus Big Show match, which I felt was going to be a weak match. And, of course, it ended up being one of the weaker matches on the card with the Big Show, of course, getting the pinfall with the KO, with the, with the knockout punch. One thing I don't like about this particular storyline is that, you know, CM Punk, he had a great thing going with the Straight Edge Society. They could have really done a lot of hard work in moving that forward. And I kind of felt that it fell flat simply because there were certain things on, that they could have done a lot differently in terms of just the group as a whole. So, you know, they did all that. The big show pretty much dismantled the Straight Edge Society. Not to mention that Joey Mercury got injured, Serena got released. So, you know, you can't really have a group with just Punk and Gallo. So I guess putting CM Punk solo is a blessing in disguise just because it allows him to get back into the world title picture. And I think CM Punk is one of those wrestlers that he's got great presence, he's got great mic work, and he can have some really great matches with the talent put in front of him. I think that just with him and the big show, there was, it, it was really hard to sell that. I think any match with the Big Show, unless it's not a huge dude or, or somebody reasonably strong, is going to always look like a mismatch on paper just because you're fighting a guy who's seven feet tall and he's like 400-plus pounds, and th there's no legitimate way you're going to be able to beat him unless you're not substantially strong or have something, you know, you hit him with a fucking car or a steel chair or something. So, you know, again, it's really hard to, to book matches with the Big Show He's, he's a great big man to have in, in the roster, and he adds a lot to the overall presentation, but I just felt that the chemistry with him and Punk in the whole feud just wasn't there. The U.S. title match, um, of course, was The Miz against Daniel Bryan. Um, I really like The Miz. He's really coming to his own. He's stepping his game up. His mic work is getting good. His wrestling is improving. It's, it's really, really a no-brainer that The Miz will be heavyweight champion. Whether he gets it from cashing in the money in the bank or not remains to be seen, but I think that he's being definitely groomed as one of the next main event superstars right up there with guys like John Morrison, Sheamus, of course, who's in the main event. I definitely see potential. The Miz 
has that real douchebaggy quality about him that you really want to see somebody smack the smug look off his face. That's one thing that I feel that The Miz does right. There's always a lot of hate online about The Miz. Just like, ah, he's a reality show reject, and da-da-da-da-da, and this, that, and the third. But you know what? His character is, a, is getting the response that, that they want, which is they want you to hate him. They want you to think he's fucking corny because he's a guy that's constantly honing his craft, and I definitely am looking forward to big things from him. His match with Daniel Bryan, really good match. I particularly enjoyed it. Um, of course, this was all to set, to set Daniel Bryan to get the U.S. championship, which he did via submission with the LaBelle lock. Um, the best part of this is you take the U.S. title off the Miz, you put it in a credible guy like Bryan who can definitely have really great matches, especially if you give him quality opponents, and it, opens, it frees up the Miz to possibly cash in the money in the bank at the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, which is the next upcoming one, either against Orton um, from Orton and Sheamus in the steel cage or possibly Kane and the Undertaker. So who knows? We may have uh, a cash-in at the upcoming Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, so definitely keep an eye out for that. The women's title unification Lumberjill match, that's correct. Not a Lumberjack, a Lumberjill, obviously, because it's women, um, was the WWE Divas champion Melina fighting one of the co-WWE women's champions. It ended up being Michelle McCool that got the, got the nod for that. Um, I really expected Melina to pull out the win and unify the belts, but they ended up going a completely other direction and throwing the title on Michelle McCool. And, um, of course, all the divas got involved. There was a big Pierce Six-style brawl. Typical lumberjack formula match. I think it was decent. I really don't like Michelle McCool as a wrestler. I feel that she, she moves rather robotically and her offense is borrowed from other wrestlers, which is fine. It, it, you know, everybody borrows from everybody, but I just, I just don't like that it's borrowed and then when you're interviewed about it, you don't acknowledge that you're borrowing moves from other wrestlers. I think that's, a, that's kind of a, a, of a shitty thing to do. But overall, you know, a so, again, a solid match. I, I particularly enjoyed it. The world title no-holds-barred match with Kane and The Undertaker continued to work the, the of course, the huge storyline with Kane and The Undertaker, which really came to a head on this week's SmackDown, which is taped. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but I definitely recommend you watching SmackDown so you can see there's an unexpected return from Kane and The Undertaker's past. I'm not going to give you guys any more details than that, but I would recommend you check it out. You may be pleasantly surprised, and you may even get a laugh out of the whole thing. But, of course, the no-holds-barred match, you know, the expected offense from both of these guys, you know, Undertaker trying to sit up, blah, 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 choke slams. It ended up being Kane reversing the Tombstone pile driver on the Undertaker to get the win. Uh, definitely really cool that they're trying to push Kane as a legit threat. I think that it's about time that Kane actually got um, a bit more recognition. This is a guy that... He's been in every shitty gimmick match that there is. He's, in, he's had some of the shittiest storylines with some of the shittiest dudes. And I think they're actually trying to apply a little bit of, of writing magic to his character and help him get a little bit more of a connection as a heel with the fans, which is good because I think Kane is really a, a great underutilized bad guy. I think he should really be... Um, one of the more dominant forces in the WWE just because he, you know, he's supposed to be this whole sadistic monster. He should be going about fucking people up on the regular. So I definitely think that 
the way that he's being written as of late is a step in the right direction. Next up was a match that I had heard nothing about. I had no, I had heard no buildup for. It was a tag team turmoil match with the Hart Dynasty fighting various tag teams. Uh, first off, it was the Hart Dynasty fighting the Usos. The Usos actually ended up defeating the Hart Dynasty. I don't know why they ended up going that route. At which point, the Usos fought uh, Santino and Kozlov, and of course, they eliminated them. The next tag team was thrown together, which was Mark Henry and Evan Bourne, at which point Henry and Bourne defeated the Usos. And the final tag team was, get this, Drew McIntyre and Dashing Cody Rhodes, which, you know, they've been teasing a bit of a, of a tag team pairing with these guys for the last couple of, for the last two weeks or so. And, of course, these guys come out and end up winning the Unified Tag Team Championships. So now Drew McIntyre and Dashing Cody Rhodes are your unified tag team champion. Um, Alberto Del Rio did a little bit of a promo, which is fine. They, you know, they give a little bit of a video package for him. They're really trying to push Del Rio, especially because there's a lot of rumors circulating that Rey Mysterio's one knee injury away from having to call, hang up the wrestling boots. I like the Alberto Del Rio character. He has shades of a of really old school bad guy Eddie Guerrero. In addition to that, he has a really a really interesting move set. His finishing move is a uh, cro- um, an arm breaker, which is uh, which is nice, you know, nice little submission based. I think that for a guy who's used to wrestle under a mask, which Del Rio did, and being you know of the cruiserweight Mexican style, I don't understand why they're not focusing on that more, and they're really just more focusing on the gimmick. I mean, the gimmick is definitely one part of the formula, but the wrestling is just as important. So I definitely think that while the Del Rio character has tons of potential, I feel that his moveset is severely lacking. It's mostly a lot of punches and kicks. He has a couple of great um, counters to get, in, to get people in the arm breaker submission. So definitely something that, that, that shows shades of greatness. But I think he's going to need a little bit more time, and he's really in a in a good feud now with Christian, who, as of earlier today, I read was sidelined with an injury. It seems that he tore his pectoral, which is which is a fucking rough injury. I knew a guy from a gym that tore his pec, and pretty much it rips off at the bone in your chest, and sometimes it'll roll up, you know, towards your your armpit. Definitely a real shitty injury to have to reattach the uh, the pectoral muscle to the bone to the area by the bone. Um, they didn't give specifics to how he tore it or to what degree the tear is, but he's going to be, Christian Cage is going to be out at least six months with that injury, so that definitely kills his momentum going into the feud with Alberto Del Rio. Um, what happens now, I don't know. Do they bring back Mysterio and um, go with that and try and cash in that feud, or do they try and toss somebody else in there? I really think Del Rio should be feuding with Matt Hardy, especially, you know, his relationship with Christian, which would be cool. But obviously Matt Hardy's kind of on the uh, on the WWE's hit list just because, you know, of his alleged, um, you know, not being performance ready and, you know, all his rants on Twitter, blah, 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 blah. It's only a matter of time, honestly, before Matt Hardy gets released. I do feel that he's severely underutilized by the WWE. And I think... And a lot of people may disagree with me. I think that Matt Hardy will be very successful in TNA just because 
he, he can be a little bit more creative. I think that the creative freedoms in TNA are definitely, definitely more, more, um, they're definitely more in tune with helping the wrestlers build their characters. But my big gripe with Matt Hardy is that the only way that he's going to be successful until he carves out his own niche is with Jeff Hardy. I think that each of those guys are half of a wrestler, and combined, they equal the perfect one. I say that basically from the fact that you look at Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy's, you know, great in terms of his wrestling. He's got great aerial moves. He knows how to get the fans excited. He has a great gimmick. Fan interaction is huge. The girls love him. Kids enjoy him. Sells a bunch of merchandise. Only problem is you give Jeff Hardy a mic, and not for nothing, I'd rather hear a fucking dog howl into a microphone because his promos are always like, yeah, we're going to fight right now. And me and my brother Matt are going to, it's like, all right, dude, we get it. You would get it. You're from fucking North Carolina. I understand that. But put a little bit more work into your fucking promos. It's awful. It really is. It sounds like, it sounds like some of the people in fucking True Blood talking, it, it, which isn't a bad thing because it's, it's regional. But when you're trying to be on the national stage being recognized as a, as, as a huge champion and all this shit, you know, put a little bit more effort into your fucking promos. They always sound really shitty. Meanwhile, Matt Hardy has good promos, and his wrestling and his wrestling is good. So while Jeff Hardy gets the fans, Matt Hardy can do a lot of the the, the chain wrestling, more of the mat wrestling stuff, and he has better mic work. So together they they collectively make the the, the complete package, which is unfortunate because they each have their own merits in, in singles competition. Odds are, if Matt Hardy ends up in TNA, they'll probably put him with Jeff for a little bit. But since Jeff has slowly carved out his own niche as well, they may actually start focusing on on letting Matt Hardy develop his own persona and his own character, which, of course, is going to lead to a nice little feud between them because it's a no-brainer. Definitely something to watch for sure. So definitely wishing Christian a speedy recovery and, of course, you know, waiting for Matt Hardy to be axed, which is unfortunate. Last two matches, of course, were, well, the last main event match was the six-pack challenge, which was, of course, Randy Orton defending against, well, it was Sheamus defending against Randy Orton, John Cena, Edge, Wade Barrett, and Chris Jericho. Everybody expected this to be Chris Jericho's last match. Of course, if you saw Raw this week, Chris Jericho was on Raw. He actually made some commentary about that this week, giving a lot of the people on the Internet a lot of shit just because everybody assumed that he was leaving and he wasn't coming back. If anything, Chris Jericho is probably going to take some time off, focus on all his solo projects, and he'll be back in the near future. Nonetheless, six-pack challenge, really good match. I really thought that it was Jericho's last match because he got eliminated first, and he got eliminated immediately, which I figured was just their way of getting him out of the match and moving forward so that Jericho would just, you know, take some time off and be back. But things change. So Orton eliminated Jericho first, at which case then John Cena eliminated Edge with the attitude adjustment. Wade Barrett came in, he used his Wasteland finisher and eliminated John Cena. And of course, with Orton and Wade Barrett left, Orton ends up eating the RKO. I mean, uh, Barrett ends up eating the RKO from Randy Orton and your new champion, of course, Randy Orton. Which is fine. I think that Randy Orton's been getting a huge push Fans are behind him. He comes out as fucking electric. 
everything he does, people are hanging on to his every word. His promos, which I always say are his weakest point, at least to me, very methodical, which I guess is part of his gimmick because he's playing, you know, like the crazy fucking schizo, stone-cold Steve Austin psychopath gimmick. But, you know, as soon as he comes out, it's like, Seamus, we're going to talk about the main event. And it's just slow and plotting. And it, that's the only thing I don't like. His, his promo's fucking, it's like, all right, we get it. You're the champion. You're a badass. So, of course, taking us into Monday Night Raw, you know, Randy Orton is your new champ. Of course, Monday Night Raw opens with Orton coming out, cutting his little promo. A um, couple of things I want to talk about with that. They finally got rid of the stupid gas mask T-shirts. I never understood the correlation of gas masks with Randy Orton unless it's to keep you from fucking falling asleep. Other, you know, the correlation with that was something I just, I, I never understood. If you're trying to, to gimmick, you know, do a gimmick where he's the viper or, or the viper slithery snake gimmick, then the shirts should have fucking snakes on them, don't you think? It's common sense. Sure as shit. What, what does he come out in this week? A shirt with a viper on it, which was actually one of the better shirts that WWE has put out. I haven't worn a wrestling shirt in years. Most of the ones that I do have end up being gym shirts. One of the reasons I don't like wearing them in public is because they always look like they were designed by a fucking five-year-old, which is, uh, which is unfortunate just because, you know, they, they, they got some really decent designs, but sometimes they look like utter shit. Nonetheless, Orton comes out. He cuts his promo. Sheamus comes out, gets in Orton's face. Stupid GM email, Michael Cole, blah, blah, blah ends up booking Sheamus versus Randy Orton, Hell in the Cell, for the obvious Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. Perfectly fine. Non-title match for the, uh, with the Unified Tag Team Champions, which is, of course, Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre. They were fighting Santino and Vladimir Kozlov. Let me tell you, match sucked. I don't know what they're really doing with the Santino character, which I enjoy, but match was definitely one of the more throwaway matches of the night. Um, John Morrison versus Chris Jericho, of course, this was a rematch from last week when, when Morrison beat Chris Jericho and uh, was supposed to take his spot in the six-pack challenge this week. Morrison out for revenge, fights Jericho, beats Jericho again. Chris Jericho, of course, not happy. Looks real uh, upset with the loss, which, of course, leads us to something that's going to be happening on Raw next week, which was taped. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, but... We'll find out the rest of those details. Uh, John Cena promo, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to kill the Nexus, this, that, and the third. Miz comes out. He's talking shit. Uh, Daniel Bryan has a match with Edge, which I enjoyed. Um, Edge, of course, ended up winning due to interference from the Miz. Of course, the GM throws a little email, reverses the decision. Daniel Bryan wins via DQ. They're, you know, they're building the whole Edge GM feud, and of course the beef with Brian and The Miz is incomplete. Whether this leads to a Hell in the Cell match with him and Alex Riley against Brian or some sort of a tag team Hell in the Cell match remains to be seen. They may just try and unify the U.S. and IC belts. We'll see how that's going to pan out in the, in the coming weeks. The Unified Divas title match was with Layla. I guess they're still continuing the whole co-champion thing, and Layla fought Molina. Layla actually ended up winning, which I was surprised. And again, another throwaway match. Layla, while she's, you know, easy on the eyes, 
still needs a little bit of, of ring work. Um, Alina definitely carried the bulk of that match. Um, R-Truth and Edge, I mean, R-Truth and Eve had a tag match with Ted DiBiase and Maurice. Another shitty match. I really don't like um, R-Truth's entrance music. It bothers me, and his incessant rapping bothers me. Uh, the main event was a gauntlet match with uh, John Cena, of course, fighting the Nexus. He ended up, of course, winning, which goes without saying. Uh, the Nexus, they, they, you know, try to give uh, John Cena an ass whooping. John Cena goes in there, fucking starts whooping their ass, and they end up setting a main event match for Hell in the Cell with uh, John Cena and Wade Barrett with the stipulation that if John Cena beats Wade Barrett, that the Nexus is done, broken up. But if Wade Barrett wins, John Cena joins the Nexus. Whether this is a rumored Cena heel turn or not remains to be seen. I actually would like to see Cena turn heel, and I think aligning him with the Nexus would be good, just because it would be, you know, after all this fighting, it's kind of a beat him, join him scenario. But overall, not the worst thing. I really hate when they try to do the whole Super Cena thing where he can beat, uh, you know, a thousand fucking people. And it, it's great and all, but it's not something that helps add to the whole dynamic. I think that sometimes the whole Hulk Hogan push for John Cena isn't that great. You know, it kind of detracts from his character and makes people hate more. Um, I've just been told that uh, Renando is holding to come on board. I'm just going to wrap up this wrestling before I bring him on. Uh, with that said, that was the main event for Raw. A couple of things on some wrestling news. First off, TMZ was reporting that China was hospitalized recently. A lot of people thought that she was hospitalized due to alcohol poisoning. Turns out that she over-medicated on Benadryl. She took four to five times the prescribed amount to help her sleep. When she woke up in the morning, she couldn't walk and was throwing up. You know, they put her in the ER. She got IV fluids, and she should be fine. So that's the story with that. Um, they actually are going back to doing a whole bunch of guests for Monday Night Raw. Here's how it's going to go down. October 4th, of course, Johnny Knoxville, which is probably going to be promoting Jackass, which is probably going to be Johnny Knoxville getting beat up or thrown through something or something silly happening. That's October 4th. October 11th, Danny McBride, better known as the one and only Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down, is going to be your guest host. Uh, Bobby J. Thompson is going to be your host for October 18th and Toby Keith will be your guest host for October 25th. For the last bit of wrestling news, um, it was reported by PW Insider that former WWE Women's Champion and former TNA Knockout, um, Mickey James, is making her return to the TNA promotion. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Mickey James and TNA, she wrestled under the alias Alexis Lurie. Whether she goes back there with that remains to be seen. I mean, it's a name probably that TNA owns, and it may just be easier to slip her back in with that name. We'll see what happens. I think the addition of Mickey James to the knockout roster is good, adds a little bit more variety, opens up a little bit of, of, a, bigger talent, uh, of, of a bigger talent pool in the women's division. Don't get me wrong, the beautiful people being on every segment is fine if you want to boost ratings. But in terms of wrestling, especially from the women's side, you want to definitely have a little bit more diversity so that you don't get compared to the WWE with your in, you know, with your increasing numbers of blonde, you know, quote-unquote bimbo character wrestlers that can't wrestle. So with that said, I'm going to take another quick commercial break. When I come back, we're going to bring Renando on. We're going to talk 
about some superhero stuff. We're going to talk Comic-Con. We're going to talk superhero movies and a whole bunch of other stuff right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, and we're back. Let's bring Renando on, and let's talk some movies, folks. Renando, are you there? Yeah, Rich, I'm right here. How's it going? What's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you very much for inviting me. It's an honor. Oh, no no doubt, man. I um, want to tell you, first off, you know, you guys are doing a really great job with SuperheroStuff.com. I was going through the site over the last few weeks, getting ready for Comic-Con, looking at some of, some of the potential shirts I, I, I may need to get. And um, first off, you know, what, what's the story behind, behind the site? Because I know a lot of people try to carve a niche out in the, you know, with the superhero merchandise. So, you know, what's, what's the story about superhero stuff? Uh, well, let's see. The story about superhero stuff is um, basically I started the site way back when. Um, I hired uh, my daughter's, like a 13-year-old kid, to help me out with some of the code. Today I want to build this website. I noticed that there was no superhero T-shirts out there on online, so I started uh, collecting them and put some images up and started uh, telling people, hey, send us a check and we'll send you a T-shirt, and it started happening 10 years ago. And uh, not too long ago, we just started growing, and uh, not too long ago got approached by a new owner of e-merchandise, got absorbed, and now we're just rocking. We have the largest selection of superhero T-shirts online, we got a ton of other stuff, and we're just having a blast. We're just exploding this year. Oh, that's awesome, man. I, you know, it's a, it's a really great success story. I mean, that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to have you on because, you know, based on, on, on your interaction, especially on your Facebook fan page, which you guys can check out, um, you guys do a really great job of just doing a lot of great fan service, which I like, and that's one of the things that, you know, motivated me to try and get, you know, yourself or, or somebody from the site on just because you guys, you guys really go not just into the retail side of things where you talk about, you know, the, the lame villain of the week, which is one of the things I enjoy. And, um, you know, you guys have a really great community of interacting with, with the fan base, which is really awesome, man. I definitely got to commend you on that. Hey, thanks a lot, Rich. One thing that I wanted to bring to the table with superhero stuff is, it, excuse me, I got this cough, is that we just didn't want to schlep product. We wanted to interact with the fans. We didn't, you know, to be honest with you, some of the shirts people can get at Target or Walmart or wherever or the mall, but this the superhero stuff is hosted by people who are superhero fans. We got our favorite. I love Batman, and we like talking about superheroes. So, and you can see all the geeks that go on our Facebook. Everyone's arguing about can the Hulk take Superman? Can Superman take Green Lantern? Can Wolverine take Green Lantern? And it, it's a place where we can all just hang out and. It's a lot more than just selling T-shirts because we would literally be nowhere without our fan base, people talking about us, and just having fun. Well, in growing in growing the business over the last ten years, and, and you know, just seeing the huge, huge influx now of superhero merchandise, and you know, how, how do you feel, especially in terms of trying to compete? Like 
what 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 do you try and strive to set yourself apart you know from from other sites i mean besides the the, the great interaction you have with the fans you know like what's the driving force for you guys well let's see well, we're basically a niche site a specialty site there are some of our competition pretty much all of our competition they have a larger girth of selection if you want strawberry shortcake or scooby doo t-shirts you know you can get them on their site but our ability to niche allows us to actually widen our selection of superhero products. Even though Walmart, Target, or any of the other websites that are out there they're, that are like 10 times our size, they're only going to carry a handful of Batman shirts because they have to carry all the other stuff. So what we're able to actually compete and offer in value is a larger selection within a tight niche that nobody else can really do. Yeah, that's a that's a real that's a really great approach, especially like I said that you're you're when I go in there, it's like, oh wow, let me see, you know, you, you guys got some really great Batman shirts. I particularly like some of the newer uh, costume shirts that you guys have. I especially the Robin costume tee that it has just like it's just a nice plain colored shirt with the R on it because you look at it and you say to yourself, it's just a shirt with an R on it. But then thinking about it, you look at Robin's costume, it's basically that. Yeah, I mean it's changed over the years, but in, in in that particular you know incarnation, it was just you know a, a red top with an R on it. Well, the cool thing is is that there's a lot of shirts out there that only the geeks know what it's about, and then when another geek or another superhero fan sees it, like a Shazam symbol or a Green Lantern symbol, nobody else is gonna or it's Fantastic Four. It's just a four on the chest. Everyone else is going, you know, what's the guy doing with a four? But then across the room, a guy looks at him and go, hey, I know what that shirt is. And it's kind of like an inside joke. And Green Lantern's going to be coming out, and we're talking to uh, DC about creating a Ferris uh, airfield jacket. Ferris airfield is where Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, uh, works at as a test pilot. And anyone else will look at it and go, wow, you know, that's a cool flight jacket or bomber jacket. But then somebody who's a superhero fan looks at it and goes, hey, I know exactly what that is, and nobody else does. That's really cool. Like an Xavier Institute. It looks like a real university shirt. So that's the kind of stuff that we offer. That, I, know, we just I like that about. approach. I like that approach a lot. You know, I saw, I like that you guys started getting the, uh, the 5950 um, New Era baseball caps. And I was actually going to ask you about that because, um, you know, in New York, especially if you go to Lids and a lot of those stores like that, they're starting to offer them. And the, while the variety is there, I like that you guys go in and you get like you guys are offering some of the more core hats. Like you know, if you want a Batman hat, it's not a Batman hat with a graffiti bat logo and all this crap. It's a blue and gray Batman hat with the symbol. It's exactly like a replica of the costume, and it works. And I definitely like that. Um, I know you guys started getting those recently. Um, how did you guys yeah. go about getting getting a deal with New Era for that? Because that that's pretty kick ass, man. Oh, I, you know, we've always been working with New Era. It's, it, it, you know, we just happen to know the people there, and um, we always tell them, hey, just keep sending us images of what you guys got, and we'll try and get whatever we can. It was kind of a, uh, a gamble because, personally, I like the old school, just regular baseball cap, the kind you bend the bill and you go out, <laughs> you go out and play Frisbee or baseball with. So, so it was kind of a gamble. We didn't know, you know, being over on the West Coast, if they'd fly or not, but a lot of people are digging them, and they like them. I also like the um, the uh, the beanie masks. That seems to be the new thing this year. I've been seeing a lot of them. Um, with those in particular, what what did you guys think when you first when you first saw those? Did you think they were going to be something that was going to take off? 
we actually didn't have any idea. We looked at them and thought, oh, man, is anybody going to buy these or what? We bought them, and we had to keep buying them because they just started flying off the shelf. An even better example is this one-timer was a Batman zip-up hoodie that has the full frontal image of Batman, and you can't even see your face. Your face is completely zipped up, and it looks like Batman is standing there. And we got a couple hundred of those, and they just flew off the shelf. They're on our blog right now, and everybody, um, people are still asking for that, but... Man, we can't find anybody to make them again. Well, you know what's funny? I actually have a, a full, I have full zip-up hoodies like that for Venom and for Wolverine. Um, there was a company called Clinch that used to make them, and they're they're, they're really high quality. They're really great hoodies, man. So definitely, if you guys are able to get more of those full full costume hoodies, they, they, those those are fantastic. I you know I can tell you just from from owning two, you know, owning a, a Venom one, which is one of my favorite characters, and a uh, you know, a Wolverine one that that those are fantastic. When I saw, well, you know, when I saw some of the hoodies you guys had, especially going into some of the full costume stuff, I definitely appreciated it. It brought a smile to my face, just because it was nostalgic, but not not too out of the ordinary that you could wear it down the street and you know somebody would get a laugh. On the contrary, they may just ask where you got it from. Yeah, yeah, that's what we get a lot of people asking. You know, hey, where'd you get that shirt? Where'd you get that hoodie? But I'll send you an email of that Batman one, and uh, that one actually is freaky looking when you look at it. But it's beyond freaky to the point that a guy looks at it and goes, oh, I have to get one of those. Oh, that's, all, that's awesome. I also wanted to ask, I know that you guys have been doing Comic-Con. Um, you did the, uh, the Chicago one recently, am I right? We did uh, Philadelphia, Seattle, and we just recently did Chicago. We won't, we're still trying to get up uh, steam to do all of the conventions but it just takes a huge amount of manpower and labor. But we had a blast in Chicago, first time I've ever been there. And there's a lot of beautiful women there. I'm amazed. <laughs> you're amazed at the beautiful women, or you're, amused, or you're amazed at beautiful women at a comic convention? <laughs> no, no, I'm amazed at the percentage of, of beautiful women there in Chicago. It, it, was, uh, uh, it was really nice to see. Well, uh, in regards to that, I actually wanted to ask you about Comic-Con. We're actually going to be covering the, the New York one next month. It'll be our first time covering it as press. I mean, I've gone to a couple of Comic-Cons as a fan. How, how does it feel being on, on the other side of the table, you know, like with the experiences, especially, you know, when you've got so many people coming in and just buying tons and tons of swag and tons of stuff? You know, what, what's some of the cool stuff that you've experienced since you guys have been doing Comic-Con? Oh, you know, what's awesome is that when people come in, you're able to make their day. And, and you would be surprised. Sometimes, you know, it could, it could, it could feel like it's a grind working and, and um, taking all the orders and helping people. But then you look and see what these people are doing. They're, a father brings his kid up to the table, and the kid's face just lights up when he gets a Batman T-shirt or a little Robin shirt with a little R on it. And it's just kind of amazing that you could just that people are so attached to their heroes that they just love putting on a shirt. So it that's what makes it a lot of fun, and that, that pretty much makes it you know such a, such a cliche, but that makes it all worthwhile. Is at the convention seeing the people totally get into it and hearing people talk, saying, "Oh, I got to get that shirt," and it's just a lot of fun. From all the conventions you've done, which is one, which has been the most memorable one? Which has been one of the ones that you're like, holy, holy cow, this place is nuts. It was a Chicago. It, it was a, there was a lot of people there. We just got hammered, and we had enough time to prepare our booth, get it ready, and we were just slammed nonstop the whole time. But oh, it, it was a blast. 
did you um did you get to meet anybody in particular that you were looking forward to at Comic Con? Because I know as a vendor, you know, you're there just doing a lot of your own work for for your own merchandise. But did you have anybody in particular you wanted to meet, or did you get to meet? I, I didn't get a chance to. I did um I did say hi to you know Bobby Brady from the Brady Bunch. Oh yeah, of course. Not him, but his wife. It's just a absolute bombshell. Beautiful. She's wearing a Princess Leia um, Jabba the Hutt uh, slave outfit. And oh, yeah. I, never did, I, I never did like that outfit, but she just made it just shine. I thought, wow, it's beautiful. But, oh, um, good, old, good old Adrian Curry. You can always count on her to uh, liven up any Comic-Con event. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I saw Leonard Nimoy. didn't get to shake his hand. I did shake Lou Ferrigno's hand. Everybody's in line, and I just happened to be there. I just stuck my hand in and shook his hand. Um, but uh, that's about it. Yeah, when you work in the booth, when you're slammed, you really don't have time to get do anything, even eat half the time. Well, on on average, what's a what's an average day at Comic Con like? Do you you know is it a twelve hour day and you guys got to get in you know super early and set up, or is it more you guys set up the night before and then you guys you guys just got to come pull the curtain and 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 get it rolling? It was a uh, set up two days before and then set up the day before and then come in early to get set up and then stay late. And what we saw a lot of vendors doing is that they would wait to the last minute to show up and open and they would they would leave early, but what we found is by coming in early that you get all the other vendors coming in to go buy stuff that don't have time while they're there. Nice. So, and you get to meet people that are working the, uh, the place as well. And But, yeah, it's it's a long day, and uh, you just need more people to go do food runs for you and to basically take care of you. But it, it's a big, huge ordeal, but it's a blast. It was funny, um, Slick, who who does the production behind the scenes for the show, he uh, he put up a comment about you meeting Lou Ferrigno and asking if he didn't charge you. And it's funny. <laughs> nope. The reason that he said that is because um, I, I got to meet Lou Ferrigno at a Comic-Con, and uh, you, you may get a kick out of this, and um, he was doing autographs, and a little boy runs up, and he's like, oh, man, Lou Ferrigno, you're awesome. You know, yeah, you were the Hulk. And the kid's like, can I get an autograph? This kid must have been like nine years old, eight years old. And Lou Ferrigno's like, yeah. And he goes, do you have $20? Oh, man. Yeah, I was like, uh, Lou, Lou, you know, why do you have to Why do you have to be an asshole right at this very moment? I was, I I was kind of bummed. <laughs> I heard the same thing from uh, William Shatner. I love William Shatner. But uh, I heard that they were trying to uh, get him to, I, I don't know, do a golf tournament or, or uh, for charity. And, and they and they were trying to get him to sign a, a Star Trek shirt. And everybody else signed from Star Trek except him. He goes, I'm not signing nothing unless I get 50 bucks. That's just a rumor. But I just think, God, you know, it's great that these guys can make a lot of money and or, or that they got to earn their living. But at a certain point, it's like, yeah, you got a nine-year-old kid. You could make his day just by giving him an autograph. It, it, it's besides the fact that he was the original Hulk. So the fact that a nine-year-old kid even knows who the hell you are is yeah. a testament to, to you being that character. It was, it was, it was kind of a, of a dickish move, and it's funny because, you know, I, he, he seems very pleasant. He seems like a very jovial guy, and I was like, damn. I was, I was kind of bummed. You know, I think that's what happens sometimes when you go to the Comic-Cons and there's certain people you want to see, and they turn out to be total douches. It happened with David Carradine at one Comic-Con I went to. He was like, but he was also stoned, so I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tarnish his memory, but he was definitely a bit of a douche as well. Oh, no. You know, it's, it's great to make money, but at a certain point, it's not all about the money. And, 
Yeah, yeah, and I can understand if they let one person, you know, get something for free, then who knows what will happen. Everyone else will swarm, swarm over them or whatever, but I don't know. It's, yeah, who, nobody should say no to a nine-year-old kid. Nope, that's exactly it. You know, when it comes to the kids, and there's tons of them, like I, especially like if you go to Comic-Cons on Sundays, which is usually Children's Day, it, it's it's like come on man like like you're making some kid's day sure you may not if the kid approaches you by himself you know do do the right thing I mean if he comes up with the parent then obviously don't give away your what you're offering for free but if it's just a kid wandering over to you and he's like hey you know it's like you know That's sign his sign his hand milk. sign his That's hand yeah yeah like, Sanders but it also depends if uh, he's there with his mom and his mom's a milf or not then you know you you could still g- give him some stuff. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you know, let me tell you, and and it's just it's funny because you you go to Comic Con and it, it's it's very surprising the amount of people that go in cosplay, and oh, you yeah. know there's, there's there's a lot of women around and and they throw on some great costumes and you know there's a lot of guys that walk around that shouldn't be wearing stuff like yeah, like you know, know. if you the if you're a two hundred if you're a two hundred and eighty pound guy you know with with a bit of a of a pooch. You should not be wearing the Lycra Spider-Man costume without a yeah. cup, so that the yeah. crowd can clearly see your balls. You know, it's things, it's things like that 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 are definitely weird. But I'm more than sure, and I and I and I wanted to ask you this too. I'm I'm more than sure you must have taken a lot of photos. Yeah, yeah, we did take a lot of photos. We we didn't want to make fun of people, even though and, and and I try not to smirk because you know those guys are totally into it and they put their heart into it, but. You know, they should have just probably left it at home. But we tried to take pictures of all the all the really cool stuff that really stood out. In Chicago, he wasn't a superhero, but there was um, Captain uh, Jack Sparrow. I mean, he was dead on, looked exactly nice. like Johnny Depp. And there was um, uh, there was just a ton of them. It's always cool seeing a stormtrooper. Stormtrooper could get away with anything. Oh yeah, the stormtroopers are awesome. There's always, you know, every every Comic Con has their own contingent. Of stormtroopers and they, you know, they got the, the the voice recorders and move along, move along, and they, and they're they're actually sometimes they're really fun to watch and they're such always really great people to to get pictures with. Like sometimes that's one of the things. If you're walking around the show floor in a costume, I gotta tell people, you know, word of advice: people are gonna want to take pictures with you. Don't be pissed good. about it. Yeah, don't be pissed about it and be an asshole about it because you decided to dress up. You decided. I'm going to dress up as the Joker today, and I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to walk to the convention in my Joker costume, which looks really awesome, and I'm not going to let people take pictures of me. You're a complete putz. What, are there people like that? Everyone I've yeah. seen, they always, uh, the, in fact, I've seen the better the costume you have, the more pictures that people will get of you. Oh, yeah, but there's always one or two that they get dressed up, and, you know, it's, it, it, it's happened. I've seen it happen, but um, it's funny because, actually, I'm going to bring – uh, some some callers in. I got Slick on first. I think he has some questions for you. Let me bring him in. Slick, what's going on, my friend? What do you got? What's up, man? Nothing much. Hey, Slick. What's up, Renando? Um, hey, Slick, how's it going? I, really well, man. I, I took a look at your site and everything, and I, I'm really liking everything I see there. I remember when we were at the Comic-Con last year, it was like the first time we went as MyTech Radio, but you know we weren't depressed at the time. You were talking about like not making fun of people. My, this is my thing. I'll be, I'm gonna make fun of people, but 
like you said, you, if you really worked on a costume and worked really hard, I don't care if you look like trash. I'm not going to make fun of you to your face because that's just going to ruin your day. Yeah. I am going to take a picture of you putting it online to make fun of you there. Because it's all best to roll. If you came to the Comic-Con, I came with a camera. That's it. And that's, yeah. you know, that's just for you to work harder for next year. But there yeah. always are some great costumes. Yeah, the only thing is is that uh, we had, um, in Chicago, we had three booth babes. They were just absolutely gorgeous. It was awesome interviewing a whole bunch of girls so that they would hand out our flyers. And when they came out with our black T-shirt on, high heels and black shorts, every single head turned and looked at them, and they had superhero stuff on their shirts. And everybody was taking pictures of them, and we posted them up on our, um, on our, uh, on our website on Facebook. And one of them had a little bit too much makeup on, and then some people made comments about it, and it kind of hurt her feelings. So that, seeing it from another end is like we're, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so we just try not to. But everybody knows that some guys, they just shouldn't be wearing tights. Yeah, I can definitely understand what you're saying there. And last year, you know, when, when I go on my rants, when I call in, they, they call that the, the black rage. And the, last year there was a booth that was kind of similar to probably what your booth would look like with a whole bunch of T-shirts and everything. And Richard was saying how I had to pick up the um, the Red Lantern Rage T-shirt, which I did. <laughs> and you know it's all in good fun and everything. Even you know even when somebody does have you know an awful costume, it, it's still all in good fun. You don't make you don't go there and you know make them feel miserable, but it's funny. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you can't help but laugh. We'll laugh. Exactly. We just want to take a picture and laugh. Yeah, I got to I got to definitely interject. I'm going to I'm going to be totally honest. I won't point and laugh at you, but I will point and laugh at the photos. It just yeah. happens cuz you have to you have to understand that if you are a grown man dressed like Naruto, I will fucking laugh at you. If you if you are a grown man dressed as Poison Ivy, and you think uh, it's funny, I will have to laugh at you, probably to your face. Because sometimes, i got to tell you, sometimes when the girls dress up as some of the guys, they do really great costume work, and i got to commend them. But there's always this one guy who wants to be a little edgy and humorous. Oh, I'm going to dress up as, you know, um, Scarlet Witch. And you're like, why are you doing that? Why? What's funny is that there's two things, is that, Except when it's a fat guy who's doing it. I just saw a picture of a, a, a really large guy, a large Hawaiian guy in a Pikachu outfit, and he was deliberately doing it because it was insane and it was funny. And he was laughing with everybody at himself because it looked hilarious and it was an awesome costume. The other thing is that, as you mentioned about women, women have it easy when it comes to costumes. You get a girl in black tights, fishnets, high heels, and... You put ears, black ears on her in a mask, she's Catwoman. Well, you, you, know, you, you take off the ears and you put a tuxedo shirt on her, well, now she's uh, Black Canary or uh, not uh, Black. Uh, Zatanna. Yeah. Zatanna. Yeah. So, and they could, all they've got to do is look kind of like Captain America and with a little bit of red, white, and blue and a little shield, and, and they work perfect. But a guy, a guy has to be dead on to, uh, to make it work. True. Well, I mean, 
that's the thing. There are characters that you can do. I mean, you could be a big fat dude and dress up as Pikachu just because it's funny. But yeah, you can't funny. be a big fat dude and dress up as Venom. I'm not going to go rich. So just this dude with a Venom mask. All he had on was a Venom mask and, you know, his regular clothes. And his belly's hanging out. We're never going to forget that one. But, I mean, if you, if you happen to be, you know, unfortunately overweight, be the blob. There you well, go. Well, be the blob. Why you up as the blob? Be well, the blob. The flash. I say do the flash because that's even funnier. You've seen a guy go around with a triple X flash T-shirt. It's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, did you Just guys... We posted on our fa- on our Facebook. Did you guys see the video? Do a search for it on YouTube. Geek girls, um, was it? Oh, Geek boy. girls and gamers. <laughs> it, it's yeah. awesome. And you see the heavy guy on there with a flash outfit, and he's funny. Well, you know, it's 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 apropos you bring that up, and I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a, on a bit of a tangent here. Um, I've seen that video. I referenced it, you know, on the fan page and on mytakeradio.com. Here, here's the thing, and, and, you know, especially I can ask you because you're, you're going to give us a, a, a good opinion since you're on both sides of the coin as a retailer but also as a comic book fan. Do, do you feel that we should all be generalized as geeks as opposed to having, gay, you know, girl geeks and, and guy geeks? Do you feel that sometimes the, the, the gender division is complete and utter bullshit? And I'll tell you why, because on one end, you know, the, the, the girls that are fans of this stuff, they want to be taken seriously. But then you flip that coin, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to dress as, you know, sexy Baroness, or I'm going to dress as, you know, Spider-Girl with, with, with the zipper slightly open and my boobs hanging out, but yet I want to be taken seriously. Do you think that in looking at that video, I mean, to, totally, totally not just as a fan, but just in general, do you feel it kind of detracts away from the fact that, you know, that, that nobody wants to be objectified. It's funny that you bring that up. That nobody wants to be objectified. This. Yeah, because, th- well, think about it. It's like, you know, you want to go to a Comic-Con and you want to have fun, but no, you, if know, you're you're, a girl, you got your ass hanging out. <laughs> no, the girls, I talk to girls about this all the time with the V-cut neck tops and with, especially with big boobs, and I say, look, i got to know the truth. And I ask that same question to them. What it, what it is, is, is the term objectified is subjective. It's, I don't use the word objectified. I use sexualized. Is that they okay. want to be attractive. They want other guys to look at them. They want other girls to look at them. And they want to look better than other girls. That's why they're exposing so much flesh. Is they just don't want it. It's part of the game. When you meet a pretty girl, it's all my eyes are up here. And the second you look down and she sees you looking down, then you're busted and you lose points. So you have to keep those points up and more green flags for her to go out with you again or to take you seriously for you to withstand uh, the temptation to look down. So everybody knows it's, a, it's a, like it's the elephant in the room. Everybody knows that she's showing herself and she wants to get away with it and she wants to feel safe doing it. So that's what it comes down to is just knowing the game and understanding that a girl wants to be sexual, attractive, appreciated, and feel safe doing it at the same time. But if every horn dog comes out of the room and starts ogling at her and starts touching her, then we're going to lose all those beautiful women out there. So we've got to appreciate them from a distance and 
and just and appreciate the fact that when we go to these conventions, there's a lot of hot-looking women there exposing a lot of flesh and really cool costumes. I don't know yeah, if that answers your question. Well, no, that, that, that's actually a good way of putting it. I, I like the term you used, which, which was sexualized. And, and the only reason I bring that up is because, you know, I, I wrote a long post and I reached out to, to you know, colleagues that, that run uh, more female-centric uh, gaming websites, and they agree, you know, there is a fine line. I just don't like, uh, personally, when, when I hear the term, oh, well, you have girl geeks and guy geeks, and, you know, you have to look at them differently. And I, I feel that connection should that? be, well, it, it's, it's termed all over the place. If you go uh, on the web, you're going to see, you know, like, like right there, you got gamer girls and, and, and girl geek uh, in, the, in the title for the video. You know, and they're referencing... But don't you look at girls and guys differently in every situation, not just at conventions? I mean, at oh, work, at play, oh, yeah, at absolutely. So absolutely. you got you got a big guy, maybe you know, not not you got a big guy, whether he's black or white. You're going to look at him differently. He's not sitting right across from you on the bus than an attractive woman in black high heels. So the women and men, we we have to treat each other differently. Absolutely, but what I don't like is, and this is what bothers me, that they, you know, that it's appropriate for some situations and not appropriate for others. Like, if I use the term geeks, I'm not going to break it up by gender because everybody likes the same shit, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's inclusive. Same thing with games. It's just being more inclusive with the term. Like, there's, you know, if, if I like comics and my fiance likes comics, I'm not going to say she's a girl comic reader. You know, she's a, she's a comic book fan. That's just the way shit works. It's just, I figured I'd ask too because, like I said, you've, co- you've been at the cons and you kind of see it from both sides and, and you see it as a male, like, wow, she looks, she looks really good in that costume. But on the same token, you can see it as, yeah, that may cause some problems th- throughout the day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I, but yeah. I, I, I was glad you answered that. I wasn't, it, it was funny that you brought that up. And I didn't, you know, because I figured we were going to talk about movies, but you, but you segued that perfectly there. That, that's really good. It, you know, it, God bless them. It, 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 where would we be if we didn't have these women who felt safe enough to come out and wearing these short, skimpy outfits and Pikachu outfits out at the uh, convention, especially the girl who looks like uh, the Baroness and Han Solo on the, um, on the, on the video. It, it's right. Like it's hard to tear your eyes away from them. Right, and I, you know, I admire them for for you know doing something cool and and doing something for 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 the fans and and doing something different. That's fantastic. I just I just don't like when when it becomes a double standard where on one side you know you want to use your hotness to to you know move a genre forward, but yet on the flip side you know you can't say wow you know she you know she has a nice ass in those pants. You know what I mean? Like the, it should just be. Not generic, but definitely looked at not so subjectively on on the basis of gender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, guys are stereotypically into comics, and girls aren't. So it's just traditional that if you meet a girl, she's automatically not going to let you have. If you guys are going to move in together, she's not going to let you put huge posters of Spider Man and X Men all over your room. So stereotypically, (laughs) they're not. They're not predisposed to being being a comic aficionado or a, or, or a geek. So, Well, in regards to that, I know Slick had a question. I'm going to let him get his question out, and I believe I actually have uh, 
one of one of our uh, female fans also holding that want that has some some stuff to add. Slick, what do you got, man? Uh, just one thing before I go, uh, because I was looking all around the site. I've been playing the the new Spider-Man Shadow Dimensions game, and actually I was just playing one of the amazing Spider-Man levels last night in one of the alternate costumes, the Bombastic Bagman, which, if you remember, that's after the Fantastic Four got the symbiote off of him. Please uh, probably right. have that shirt somewhere. Like, the Fantastic Four shirt would kick me on the back. <laughs> You're looking for a Fantastic Four with a shirt, uh, uh, shirt with a kick me on the back? Yeah, that's the shirt that Johnny Stone gave to, to Peter Parker after they got the symbiote off him because he had nothing to wear on his way home. I remember that. Would that would be yeah. a kick-ass shirt. <laughs> it would be. Like, uh, I would even wear a paper bag over my head with it. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to suggest that to one of our suppliers. Just write yeah, Bombastic Bagman, and somebody will know what it is. I just write that down. We don't have that, but um, thanks. we always take the suggestions, and we funnel them to the manufacturers. And and some of them they can actually do stuff for us. Nice. If I, if if we see somebody at Comic Con wearing blue pajamas and a bag on his head, I'm definitely taking a picture with him. <laughs> cool. Yeah, be, we'd that, love to see that. That'd be All awesome. All right, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop off so PK can come on in. I'll probably call back later. All right, Slick. Thanks a lot, buddy. Take care, right. Slick. Later. All right, I got uh, PK holding. Let me bring her in. PK, welcome back. Hey, Rich. What's Hello. going on? <laughs> Nothing. I just you guys started talking about the whole female the Comic Con thing, and I was just like jumping right on it because you guys are talking about the costumes. And I was thinking, well, name one comic book character that you can think of really easily that's not scantily clad and looks like a slut. Good point. <laughs> I mean, the only one—the only one that comes to my mind is Batgirl, and I don't really remember what she wore, but I don't remember it being like Poison Ivy grade or um, Wonder Woman, you know, with the with the with the hot pants she's wearing. So it's like well, the girls that dress up—what are they supposed to dress up? How are they supposed to dress up if that's what all the characters look like to begin with? Well, well no, Catwoman and Batgirl—they uh, both are fully covered. Um, Baroness True. fully covered. So, and I just was looking at a whole bunch of cosplay uh, images online today, and I was just marveling at them. There was two uh, two cat girls that were together from two different. Um, I'm sorry, cat, cat women uh, t-shirts. Uh, That's right. Outfits, that and her. they looked awesome. So it, it 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 just so happens that yeah, I think there are a lot more that have that are scantily clad than those that have um, that have a lot of uh, clothing on. But that doesn't mean that it has to automatically have their boobs hanging out. I mean, a woman can wear a three-piece. That is true. And they, a woman can wear anything, and she has a choice of having her boobs hanging out or not. So it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter on the outfit. It's how what she's going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Presentation is, is everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, yeah. the thing is, is that one thing I like about Wonder Woman is that it, it's you know Lady Death. Yep. Yeah. One of my favorite characters. I was going to say, I really don't like her, and I've never read her, though, but the only reason why I don't like her is because she just smacks with so much sex, and it gets so far mm-hmm. away, in my opinion, from what the comic book is about. And that's what I like about Wonder Woman. It's like no matter what hero, female hero you look at, Wonder Woman is treated differently. It's like everybody loves her, straight men, gay men, uh, lesbians, straight women. They all love her because everybody 
who writes her writes um, her stories and depicts her, they do it in a positive light. And mm-hmm. she's not like a skanky little uh, tart. They they always do uh, most of the time they do a good job of uh, presenting her. It's just not just not a nice rack. That's true. I, she is one of those characters that, even though she, her clothing is not like, I mean, the, what is those hot pants and all that, and she still looks, I'm trying to think of the proper way. It's the timeless. Person. She's timeless. That's what you're saying. You know, she's, she's a, they, they draw her, but they try to maintain a, a bit of a classy aspect to her character. That's right. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Unfortunately, they just changed her outfit. So Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Well, wh- I don't know you- much about it. It's spo- it might be temporary. I, from my understanding, it's supposed to be like an alternative uh, universe. <laughs> um, I can't stand it. She's wearing those black tights, for one, and she's wearing boots, and those straps on her boots are from, like, 1980, and the jacket's like a mix between Michael Jackson and Superboy. It's like, give me a break. What, why is she changing? It looks ridiculous. I, I like the old classic look. Yeah, I, I've got a picture of her right now coming up. On, well, not safe site, but yeah, I've seen the new Wonder Woman. I didn't care for it either. I think they just wanted to modernize it and help people, you know, help help uh, you know uh, people connect with it on, on a modern level. It happens once in a while. I'm more than sure it's not going to be permanent. You know, the, yeah. the once in a while they got to do it and, and toss a couple of ideas out there. We've seen it before. You know, Superman with long hair. Superman, yeah. At one point. You know, Superman with one hair at one point, you know, when he became the electric Superman, the red Superman, the blue Superman. It's just, you know, they toss these ideas out there, and then if they stick, great. And if they don't, you know, they just conveniently sweep under the rug. Yeah, yeah, I I agree completely. In fact, the entire comic book realm is built on conflict, either a physical conflict between Marvel, DC, or Marvel and Marvel with Civil War. But then they want to increase sales. By change, I think they're deliberately just trying to increase sales by creating conflict between the comic and the reader so people are now talking about Wonder Woman where before they weren't. So like they say in show business, if they're not talking about you, even trash, then you're, you're going to your, um, start losing your market share. So I, I think you're right. They're just doing it so that people will be talking about it, and if it sticks, then they'll stay with it. Hopefully it won't stick. Anything else to add, P.K.? That was it. That's about it. All right. Yeah, cool. I just, oh, I, I did. I, I've seen two new Wonder Womans, and I linked one into the chat. I don't know if it worked properly, but that was the one I've seen. It's in the chat now. Oh, okay. Because I've seen two of them. So. Yep. The one, the one that you put in the chat is the is the new costume. Yeah, with the leggings and the and the boots. That's correct. Oh. oh okay. Because I saw another one that she was wearing all black and like a a black um top and silver stuff, so I didn't know which one it was. You no, the one, no, the one you put in the chat is correct. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that was about it. You had something yeah. to ask her, Renando? Yeah, I was going to ask PK, did, did you hear what uh, my assessment was of women at convention that are dressed provocatively? And, yeah, uh, and I, I actually did, did, I, I, I did hear it, and I thought it was actually very fairly good. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to get a woman. For... Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, PK. Have a good well, night. Thanks for calling. It's great to have you back. No problem. Talk, talk to you later. You got care, it. PK. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, now, now to the, the nitty-gritty, since, we, since we've ripped apart Comic-Con so well. Um, let's talk some superhero movies. First off, what I had wanted to ask you, 
the, the current crop of superhero films, are there any standouts that are particular favorites for you that have come out so far? You mean that have already come out or are going to be coming out? Well, we'll start with the ones that have already come out first, because that'll help gauge that'll help gauge everything. <laughs> Easily, Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. That's that was just the best. It was. Um, it, it's unfortunate that he had to go and die, but that, that was. The best <laughs> yeah, you know, the, it, it, I felt that that the Dark Knight definitely captured like the best essence of Batman on on celluloid in in a long time. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I enjoyed the Tim Burton Batman movies. But as they started going further along into into Joe Schumacher and nipple costume t- uh, territory, it kind of lost the overall effect. At least with the with the with the Nolan Batman films, you know the, the darker vibe, the bit of real world um, that they added to it definitely helped set it apart from from other movies. And not only that, every movie that comes out, they want it to be dark, like The Dark Knight. So you know, The Dark Knight seems to have become the newest measuring stick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but I'll be the first one to say, and I've always said it, I never did like uh, Jack Nicholson as a Joker, and I always had this problem with um, not only the Tim Burton movies, but almost every superhero movie, in my opinion, they just seem to drop the ball for the sake of artistic license of, say, for example, uh, the, the nipples on the Batman costume. Personally, that's not an issue for me, but that's that's an example of them going out in the realm that, really isn't necessary like um with spider-man i had a big i have a huge soapbox about these superhero movies spider-man spider-man doesn't have organic web shooters and he doesn't have talons that come out of his fingers and there's no value in that it, it's just right. for the sake of that these writers and directors are saying hey let's try and do something new and different because the audience if they know what we're going to do then it'll be boring when when really it's not we want it that's why we're going to go see these movies because we've read about them they're our heroes we want to pay to see that comic book up on the screen. And I was just shitting a brick about the organic web shooters. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because he, here's, here's the funny thing with that, and this has happened recently also with the Joker. Um, basically, when they do the movies and they take artistic license and, the, and, and they do, you know, I, what, I, what I would guess is a passable job in integrating it into the mythos of the character, you end up getting... Um, some carryover into the books because yeah. in the Spider-Man other storyline, he ended up getting the organic web shooters and the talons. And also in Spider-Man 2099, which Slick reminded me, he had the organic web shooters and the talons. So, you Did know, it was, before the movie though. Oh, absolutely. But I'm more than sure that, that, you know, in, in doing all their research, you know, they probably came across it. They're like, hey, that might be kind of cool. And, and, I mean, in terms of adding, and, and this is as far-fetched, uh, you know, as it sounds, in terms of adding a real-world dynamic to it, you know, if a spider bites you and you inherit most of its abilities, you've got to shoot the webs from somewhere. So I don't think, shoot, you know, organic or not. I mean, if he made the web shooters great, but it could have been worse. They could have made it that he shot the web out of his ass like a yeah, spider does. But... So, yeah, <laughs> you so, know. The thing is, though, Rich, is that you're missing out on what the big picture is, is that looking at what Stan Lee did with Peter Parker, is that Peter Parker, everyone could associate with him because he was just always and continuously just beaten down, not only losing his job, losing Gwen Stacy, that feeling of guilt, his uncle. It's like the guy can never, ever get a break. And part of that is him fighting the Green Goblin, Hobgoblin, or whoever, Venom, and he runs out of web fluid because... He didn't. He didn't get. He didn't make some the morning before, or one of his cartridges jammed. 
And that's yeah. part of the dysfunction that goes on in his life that makes him such an awesome character. He's not like Superman or Batman where everything always works. The guy has these flaws. That's a that's a that's a really kick ass way of putting it out there. I had never looked at it. I mean, I've always liked that with Spider Man that he's always fighting adversity, but but it is true in in terms of removing that real world aspect, man. You 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 introduced a, a totally new dynamic. Cause when I saw the organic web shooter thing, I was like, eh. But then I thought about it, I'm like, eh, it makes sense. You know, he got bitten by a spider. You gotta and, and you know get some of its more you know biological functions, which is great. The the talons. Yeah, they you know they were so minuscule. You know they zoomed in with the camera and they just did it briefly, I guess because they wanted to do it. You know they wanted to do it justice, so they're like, all right, he gets these little talons. That's how he sticks to walls, which is fine. But I think going that deep into the explanations, what you you know the point you made is great because it's true. He created the web fluids, which focused on the fact that he was really smart. You know he was a really smart kid that wasn't, you know, that was thrust into this huge responsibility and he had to use his wits and, you know, his, his intelligence to, you know, fight some of these bad guys because brute force didn't always work. And by eliminating that, you're right, you eliminate something that set Spider-Man and made him more relatable to everybody else. It, it, it's a great contribution. Did you ever see uh, read uh, Secret Wars where he got his black outfit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, a, there's one of the scenes in there where somebody drops a huge mountain on top of the, all the heroes, and the one that's holding it up is the Hulk. And they're all inside of this little tiny pocket, and this huge mountain is crushing all of them almost, except for the Hulk. And Reed Richards, the Fantastic Four leader, is trying to put together some gizmos to help out Tony Stark, Iron Man, not Tony Stark, the other Iron Man, uh, blast a hole through, the, uh, through the, the mountain. And he asked Parker... Spider-Man says, hey, give me your web shooters. And Parker's trying to play it off in what web shooters? He goes, just give me the web shooters because he needed part of that mechanism to make to save them. So it, 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 he is a bright guy, and those little mechanical web shooters come in handy. Besides, organic web shooters are just gross. Yeah, I mean, I, in looking at it like that, it's, it's really interesting because you, you, you opened my eyes to looking at it a little differently. And, and you, know, it's, it, you know, it's a bit of an eye-opener, but... It's it's one of those things where, with, with the Spider-Man franchise as a whole, I felt that, you know, organic web shooters aside, they did a really good job of bringing it to life. I was not too pleased with the, with the Green Goblin costume. I think yeah. William, Defoe, William Defoe did a, did a, did a pretty, uh, pretty good job with the character. The costume, I think, was just, like, you know, way too Power Ranger-ish. But yeah. but I looked past it because, you know, they, they captured the fact that the Green Goblin was a psychopath. So, you know, certain little things you can kind of let go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the yellow spandex with Wolverine. There are certain things you can let go because the transition from comic to screen will not work 100%. However, there are some things that I, I think that art should be sacred, uh, that, that should, that like Bruce Wayne, his parents have to die. There has to be the pearls. Yep. And um, and there has to be um, uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon and Alfred. There are certain things that you just don't mess with. But there are some things that can be messed with with a good enough explanation, like the, um, the electrifying of his cape, turning that into like a hang glider mechanism. Yep, that was nice. That was completely different, and I thought, you know, that's a really good explanation. We can Let's roll with that. And uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, completely different than the traditional one. But he did such a good job, everybody accepted it. Nobody complained about it. 
Well, it was funny because now in the comics, the Joker has the, uh, you know, the scars on his face, just like the movie one, which is, which is really nice that they went that route and they integrated that. I mean, it's a nice little homage to Heath Ledger, and it adds an, a bit more of a twisted dynamic to the Joker character, which was definitely really cool. I definitely appreciated the fact in The Dark Knight that they did, they did go more real world with it because think about it. Batman's just a guy with a, with a shitload of money. You know, yeah. which anybody that has a lot of money, you know, you know, Bill Gates can be a superhero if he wanted to because he has that kind of money. Yeah, well, and the commitment and dedication to put your body uh, through the rigorous training to be that kind of an athlete and fighter. So if yep. you got tons of money and you can fight and you're smart, then then theoretically Batman makes it happen. Oh yeah, and most of the most of the you know most of that technology that was used in the movie, you know, is stuff that exists or is into under design, or is, you know, weapons grade. All that stuff is out there, you know, the, 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 the Tumblr Batmobile. Most of that stuff is already out there, so I really, I really enjoyed the fact that it wasn't, you know, a giant neon white Batmobile driving through the city, you know. It was like, wow, that's a, that's a you know, that's a, nice way, that's a nice way to do it. Yeah, I, I, the, the Batmobile was also a break from tradition, and it looked like a mate between... Um, a Humvee and a, uh, a Lamborghini, and uh, it made sense. It was kind of cool. However, I didn't like it when he, he when Commissioner Gordon he, he's inside of the Batmobile, and for some reason they get inside of that. They push down in the middle and they lay flat down. I didn't see the reason behind that. Well, I think that that was just a setup where you know in the second one they integrated that into it becoming a motorcycle. I did think it was definitely a little strange, but. Um, you know, and there was no explanation for it, so it was just one of those random things. You know, you see it, you're like, oh, that's that's a little weird. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, what's yeah, up with that? I can see it working in the in the Dark Knight because, of course, it ended up becoming the the, the, the cycle. So that you know, was it, very cool. Yeah, that was unexpected, and I I actually was pleased with that. Well, not not for that, not, and and this is actually something that I, that it, it it's great that I I can discuss with you. Uh, uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, it, I, 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 I was unimpressed. I didn't. Um, it, it didn't pick me up and and throw me on the ground the way it should have, like uh, Heath Ledger did with Dark Knight. It was um, I, take it or leave it. Uh, well, I think they did a. Uh, I don't think they did a good job with Deadpool at all. Um, I like uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I think he does a great job. And I, I don't know. I personally, it just didn't work for me. Uh, same with Iron Man 2. I, was, I wasn't all that impressed with it. Nice. And it's, uh, the reason I ask you that is because the Wolverine is such a huge, huge character. He's on, he's on par with Spider-Man in terms of popularity. And yeah. when... Women love him. Huh? Women love him. They, they love Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah, you know, the, the character, when you look at that movie and the money that it made, it's like you're, you're doing a movie with one of Marvel's most well-known characters, and it's not a movie that's not in the top ten of, of, of highest-grossing superhero films of all time. Why? And I think, one of, at least personally for me, I thought that one of the reasons were that they kind of went the other direction. They made the Wolverine movie geared more towards merchandising, and like you said, they took too much artistic license. You have a you have a character that's violent, a womanizer, basically a killer, 
and none of that was barely referenced. And I think yeah. that detracted from the story. I think that, you know, the Wolverine character is a character where you got to be like, look, this is going to be an R-rated flick because he's an R-rated guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, you know, the whole thing about Handshot First? Yeah, about, of course. Apparently Luke Skywalker, I am mean, sorry, not Luke Skywalker, George Lucas goes in and with the remake of, um, not the remake, the uh, re-release of Star Wars. He had, uh, what's that guy's name, Guido? Shoot uh, first. Guido, yeah. Greedo shoot first and then Han shoot shoot so that it won't make him look like such a bad guy, and I I don't like that they're turning these tough guys into pussies. It's it's we're we're I, you know I, it's like you're right he's a killer that guy kills yep. pretty much anybody who pisses him off. If you ripped off half of the face of the thing Ben Grimm in the comics, that's and right. It, it's like this guy will kill anybody. But um, I just I just hate writers who don't read up on the hero, and they just go off in their own direction, and they don't listen to the fans. The best thing they can do is get about six fat geeks that do nothing but read comics in the back room with them and say, hey, what do we need to do to make this work? And the guys who know everything about comics, and then it'll work. But they don't. They're just doing their own thing. And you're right. They're going to look at merchandising. Merchandising brings in a lot of money, so they can't ignore it. But they can't sacrifice a good script for the bullshit and crap that they put up on there. Plus, when you see Deadpool, you don't see a costume. Nope. Like, Give me the costume. I want to see the costume. I don't want to see Toby, uh, Toby McGuire on. I want to see the Spider-Man. Right. I, well, here's the, here's the thing. I think that in, in referencing the Wolverine character, um, the one thing, especially when you look at some at, at the Deadpool character, Ryan Reynolds did a great job of capturing Deadpool the character. In terms of capturing Deadpool the costume, they didn't do it. it yeah, you know, and then, why. yeah, no and then they had, why. They, what was that? There's no reason why. Do you know of a reason why they felt dropped the ball on that? I have no idea, but here's a yeah. here's a here's a nice here's a nice nugget of information. Think of the final battle with Wolverine, where he has you know a nine inch sword magically come out of his forearm. If the sword is in his forearm, how yeah. is he bending his arm? Yeah, because they're not thinking. That's why. <laughs> I think the, the sword is made out of adamantium too. Yep. So it's like, give me the costume. Damn it! It. Jesus Christ! It, it's not that hard. Did you see Wanted? Oh, yeah, I saw Wanted, and it's the same thing. You read the comic. But here's the thing. Wanted is a guilty pleasure for me just because the story, even though it, was kind of bought, it wasn't completely borrowed from the book verbatim, was kind oh, of yeah. fun. Like, it was, a fun, it was a fun flick. Now, if you look at it, you wouldn't think to yourself, ah, this is a, a comic book movie. You'd think, ah, it's a nice little, you know, nice little action flick. It's pretty amusing. Yeah. Yeah. But, Again, it, it, lightning lightning doesn't always strike twice with shit like that. Like Wanted was good because everybody like, looked at it, and it's a nice action flick, you know. But yeah. if you read the Wanted comic books, ultra violent. Oh God, no! There's blood hitting you in the face every page you're turning. But it's a well written story, and you like the outfit that that guy was wearing. It's like, wow, that's a badass outfit. It looks like uh, Snake Eyes almost. Yep. But um, Wanted worked. And it was completely different than the comic, but it worked for people who didn't know about the comic and even people who read the comic. It's like, yeah, it's completely different, but, you know, okay. But it's like you see Deadpool, you see Gambit. It's, I, I didn't see Gambit there. I saw, I saw a pretty boy with a, with a uh, kid, rock base, uh, kid rock hat on, 
who didn't shave. It, it's like I want to see the costume. Yeah, I think I think that with Wolverine, they tried too hard. I'm really hoping that now that they're you know for the sequel, it's alleged you know it's alleged that they're going to be doing the Japan story, which you know it's a really dark, really violent story, especially with the hand. Um, I think that if you want to keep the PG-13 rating and merchandise, then you can do a lot of the killing and just do it off camera. It, you, you know, it's not hard. He can he can go in a room and kill 50 ninjas. And, you know, maybe you, 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 know, maybe you show a drop or two of blood on the claws. You know, you've got to keep it within the realm of, wow, that's the Wolverine we know. It, it's, like, it's like the Wolverine that was in, in, in Origins was a neutered Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, they made him a pussy. No, I say do the exact opposite. I say make it R because that will increase the desire for everyone who can't see it to get it. And if what they, what they don't get, if they make it R and ultra-violent, then, and that they do a good job of writing this goddamn good story, people will see it twice. And there you go. once it comes out on DVD, then all those little brats out there who can't go see it, they'll be, get, they'll be out there going to go buy it. Well, here's, here's, a, here's a, a, a twist for you. In looking at some of the newer R-rated superhero flicks like Kick-Ass and um, Watchmen, for instance, how, how did you feel in terms of giving that, those comic books justice but the movies not being, you know, box office caliber, you know, in terms of cracking, like, you know, top 20 best, yeah. uh, you know, most profitable movies of all time? Do you feel that sometimes, you know, st- you know substance, Trump style, and not only that, but keeping true to the books makes the right amount of people go to see it? Or do you think it detracts a little bit? Like, you've got to mainstream it a smidge at least. You know, it, it, let me answer that by going to Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, um, Peter Jackson, there's basically no women in Lord of the Rings except Lady Galadriel. But he brought in, I think her name's Arwen, um, Liv, uh, Liz, Liz Taylor. Liz Tyler, right. Liz, Liz Tyler, Steve, Stephen Tyler's daughter. And he brought that in because they, I believe that they believe that the, uh, there has to be an element of romance to bring in the women. And there's probably a lot of truth to that, but you, I don't want to compromise. They don't need to compromise the movie integrity of the storyline just to bring in the women with a romance. It shouldn't be the major focus. And going back to um, uh, Kick-Ass or Wolverine and uh, Watchmen, Watchmen, I read the book to, again right before the movie came out, and I loved Watchmen. A lot of people hated it, but I loved it because it stuck true to the storyline, and there were parts that they deviated from it, but they had to. You, you can't make a full 100% uh, um, uh, making of a comic and put it up on screen. And the kick-ass, and to be honest, I didn't read the comic because I can't stand um, John Romita Jr.'s artwork. But uh, I loved kick-ass. It was awesome. It, and it, they ask a very good question, which is, can a real person be a superhero? And that's, that's one of the things that um, I wanted to write about in our blog. And I've talked to a professor about it, too, who has written about this stuff, is what's it take to be a superhero? And, 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 and there's a lot of philosophy inside of that. So I, I love Kick-Ass. I love Watchmen. I don't know if I answered your question, though. No, you, you did, because it, it's like, you know, sometimes uh, you look at Watchmen, didn't make a shitload of money, visually beautiful, you know, true to the book. Everybody was happy about it. But, of course, everybody was like, you know, it cost all this money to make, but it was R-rated, and that's why it didn't make budget. And, and it's unfortunate that that's how they're looking at it. You know, one of the things we talked about, uh, a couple of weeks back was the same situation with Scott Pilgrim. 
I went to see Scott Pilgrim. It was a it was a great movie. There were certain things I didn't like just because I didn't like Michael Sarah. But other than that, the movie was great. And then, you know, you get a movie like The Expendables, nice mindless action. And, you know, Expendables soared up uh, right up to number one. And, you know, Scott Pilgrim kind of floundered. Well, there's a couple things going on there, Rich. You know what was number one for a long time? Was the stupid Chihuahua movies. What are those called? That's right. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Yeah. What did they even made a one and a two? I swear That's to God, right. I looked on um, uh, what is it, uh, Fandango Rotten Tomatoes. I, I never go to a movie without them. And <laughs> damn, Beverly Hills Chihuahua was number one. That tells you a little bit of something about the audience that goes out there and spends their money. So number two is that Watchmen. Who the hell knows who Watchmen were? That, nobody right. knows. Only the co- right. I mean, the book was written a hundred years ago by Alan Moore. The guy's a genius. The book is a, a, a genius work of art. I mean, it's amazing. It's deep. But not even the comic book geeks, not all of them know about it. So it didn't succeed because it was R. It didn't succeed because nobody knows about them, and they don't have an emotional connection to them like they do Spider-Man, well, Spider-Man and Superman and Batman. And the, that's it. I forgot where else I was going to go with it. No, that, that, that's, a, that's a good spin on it. It's true. I mean, when you say, I'm going to make a movie about Kick-Ass, or I'm going to make a movie about Scott Pilgrim, you're right. It's not. It doesn't have that mainstream appeal and the expectation that they're going to make huge bank. While you know everybody wants their movie to be successful, you got to think these characters aren't household names. But that yeah. leads me to that leads me to this. You know, they were they were talking about Daredevil in the chat room, and um, I'll tell you one thing: the Daredevil movie. I, you know, it was it, it kind of stayed true to the book. I just think that there was something lacking, either writing or chemistry. But then I ended up watching the director's cut, which actually added a lot of stuff that was cut out, and I ended up really liking it. I don't know about you know Ben Affleck playing Matt Murdock, but I definitely think that Marvel should take another shot at Daredevil, especially since they're trying to integrate um, all the characters in the Marvel Universe, because you can make him pop up in a Spider-Man movie, albeit briefly, and, yeah. and still and still maintain some integrity for the character. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll be the I'll be the first one to say that Ben Affleck does not bug me as much as he bugs everyone else. And I think that there's a bandwagon of hatred out there for a lot of people, and Ben Affleck is one of them. He didn't bug me. And um, what's her name? Who who did um, uh, Electra? What's her name? Uh, fuck. What the hell was her name? I had her. I had it written here. Yeah, Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. Hot babe. Beautiful. So here you have somebody who's beautiful, who's successful in a violent uh, TV series, who could be perfect. The story, to me, sucked. And so did yep. Catwoman. Whereas, um, the, what, who was her name that played Catwoman? Halle Berry. Uh, Halle Berry. Halle Berry, I think she got nominated for um, an Oscar. She might have even won one. So here you have good actresses and bad actors. Um doing superhero movies, the reason why they bomb is because of the goddamn writers and directors. They, if you have a shitty movie, nothing will save it. If you have a great actor, a shitty writing, a shitty storyline will just blow it to chunks. And it, I, you do not, I do not want to see Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner fighting on a seesaw. I don't want to see that. Yeah, I, that, you know, when, when they did that, I was like, uh, with the, with the yeah. douchey... With the douchey romance angle. I got the douche chills watching it. I was like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. You're fighting on a seesaw in broad daylight. Not only that, but 
for all intents and purposes, it is a woman assaulting a blind man. Yeah. And yeah. no one sees anything wrong with it. It's like, yeah, we're just going to have this chick fight this blind guy during the day, during the day in a park full of children and parents. But no, it's absolutely fine. It's totally fucking cool. It's like, yeah. did, anybody, did anybody read the script and go, wait a minute. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a woman beating up a blind man in a park. Like, yeah. like, hold the fuck on. Did anybody stop and go, it's a chick beating up blind man's ass in a park. Well, no, at the same time, um, what's his name? I've got my computer in front of me, uh, Michael Duncan. Did anybody yeah, ever stop Duncan. to think, hey, is, is Kingpin, is he, is he a black guy? Or is he a white guy? Yeah. Some people say, well, it doesn't matter. It's the actor. Well, bullshit. If you're going to put Black Panther, Storm, uh, or Storm on the screen, they, they're, they better be black. If you're going to put the Kingpin on there, nothing's whiter than the Kingpin. He's a big, fat, white guy. So he's guy's supposed to be white. If you put uh, Black, well, they did put Black Widow, and she wasn't Russian, but she's supposed to be Russian. So the, the same people who didn't look at the screen, who look at the script during the seesaw incident, were the same people who didn't look at it when they uh, put in um, Black Kingpin. Well, uh, here's, here's a funny thing with, with, with Black Kingpin. If, have, if you've seen some of the Superman cartoons um, that were out a, a couple of years back, did you notice that Lex Luthor wasn't completely white? Like, yeah, you know, I noticed. Yeah, I noticed that. It's like, it, and it, I wondered the lips and everything. I always wondered what, what's the deal here. What's the deal? Yeah, like they just they just conveniently swapped it out. They're like, yeah, we're just gonna make Lex Luthor a black guy. But don't get me wrong, that Superman cartoon was fine, and Lex yeah. Luthor was still a scumbag. But it's yeah. like, I, I I mean, being a scumbag has really no 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 racial uh, undertones to it. So. I mean, Michael Clark Duncan, yeah, they made the kingpin black, and yeah, the kingpin should have been a big white guy. But then it's like, all right, where are we going to find a big white guy? Like, there's certain things, like, when we were talking about um, Captain America a couple of weeks back and all these different casting choices, and I said, to, I said to the listeners, I'm like, you mean to tell me you can't find a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, in-shape white guy in Hollywood? Are, 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 you, are you guys fucking serious? You know, like, there were certain things, like, like with the Spider-Man reboot, it, it's, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to reboot the franchise and we're going to start from scratch and we don't want yeah. Mary Jane in it. Uh, you know, in sticking with that, I actually wanted to get your thoughts on that first. How, 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 are, you, how are you feeling about the, the Spider-Man reboot? Um, I, have, I, I wrote about that on our blog. I have reservations because from my understanding – they're using the same goddamn writers that they used in this last Spider-Man movie, I think. They actually got there's a, the director supposed to be the guy from Five Hundred Days of Summer, and yeah, I've heard I've heard mixed rumblings about them doing the um, the same writers. Yeah, yeah. So there you go again. They're going to try and hey, let's do something fresh and different. Okay, well, who can do it? Well, let's get the same writers. What the fuck? Why do they have to keep reinventing the wheel? Why do they have to keep going back? Everybody knows Spider-Man's original story. Let's just keep. Let, I would say let's just keep moving forward. Get a different actor, not Tobey Maguire. They. What was the guy's name who uh, who played um, Norman Osborn? He should have been uh, Peter Parker. He looks more like Peter Parker in the comics than Tobey does. Oh but, yeah, that, that that would be good actually if you did that. I, you know what the problem is? I think. With, with, with the Spider-Man movies, I think, and this, and you know, some people agree or disagree, they have, 
I think that as the franchise got bigger, it became a pissing match between Marvel and Sony because Sony wanted Spider-Man done a certain way and Marvel wanted Spider-Man done a certain way. Like, from what, from what I've heard, when Raimi was going to do the third Spider-Man, he just wanted to make the Sandman the, the bad guy and leave it at that. And Sandman was going to be the bad guy and everything else was going to be fine. They came out and Sony's like, well, you know, Venom's the most popular dude. We've got to put Venom in there. You guys got to put Venom in there. Raimi's like, look, I don't want to put Venom in my fucking stories. He said it in an interview. He's like, I don't like the Venom character. So when I found out Venom was going to be in it, I said, this is going to be such fail. Because if the guy said in a public interview, I don't like the Venom character, guess what that means? I don't want the fucking Venom character in my movie. So when they forced him to do it, you knew he was going to make it shitty just because he said, I told you guys I didn't want it in there because I have no no way to write this character and and add any dimension to him in, you know, in in, in a two-hour movie. Yeah. Yeah. Look at what they did. They had uh, not only just Sandman and Venom, they also had Green Goblin. Yeah, they had had the the, the new, they had Ninja Goblin. Yeah, the new (laughs) Green Goblin. Green Goblin 2. And which I have to admit, it was a cool spin take on um, changing the Goblin glider into like a, a, a skateboard type glider. Well, yeah, he was young, so it worked. I, I had no yeah. problem with that. I think that just keeping New Goblin and let's just take Venom out of the equation. If you would have done the whole New Goblin thing and he gets amnesia and then he, he remembers and Spidey fights him for a little bit and then he helps him fight the Sandman, that would have been the ideal movie. Because you know what? A lot of people thought that adding Dr. Octopus into these movies, that the character had no range and that he wouldn't translate well to screen. Alfred Molina did a kick-ass job I thought as he was Dr. Awesome. Octopus. Yeah. I, I thought he was awesome. I, I, I think that you're right. They should have just had Sandman. They could have brought in um, Hobgoblin late towards the end and maybe hinted at Venom. Just one got one you know, supervillain at a time and not overwhelm us with all this stuff. It's like, Jesus Christ, you just shot your load and it's not even that good. There you go. That's the, that, let me tell you, Spider-Man 3 was good. Three things I didn't like. Black costume, emo, dancing Spider-Man with the, pond, oh, with the finger snap. I wanted to jump through the screen and drown Tobey Maguire in his non-working toilet in his apartment. Like, yeah. it, it, was, it, was, it was awful. And then, you know, the whole Venom making fucking like bird noises and shit. I'm like, that doesn't work. Venom yeah. is very easy character to write. He's a big dude who works as a journalist. He comes across this costume, and that would have been that. You know, they, they wanted to go with all this whole extra dimension, all the costume. You know, they, they, they did the whole costume came from space thing, which I'm sure they borrowed from the cartoon that they used to give on Fox, which is fine. But I felt that they rushed through it because you only had two hours of film. You couldn't do any backstory. Yeah, you got three villains. You got two hours of film. Plus, how are you going to fit all that emo stuff in there? <laughs> you know, they could have. The, the, one of the best scenes that I liked was when Gwen Stacy, during that big old huge, uh, that crane was falling, and uh, he had to rescue Gwen Stacy. And also in the um, other movie with Gwen, uh, with uh, Doc Ock, when he ends up kidnapping um, uh, Aunt May. It's like those simple little fight scenes, I thought were awesome. That's but, what I'm saying. It added it added the perfect dimension without oversaturating the movie. It's like right. this is what yeah. Spider-Man has to do. He fights adversity. He beats the bad guy. The end. I think that 
you know, Sam Raimi would have kept doing Spider-Man films if they would have just let him do it right. I mean, the natural progression of things is he fights the Green Goblin. He fights Dr. Octopus. He fights the Sandman. You can do another movie. Who do you got to use? Electro. Because these were the stable, the stable of villains that Spider-Man fought in his early career. That's the yeah. way you got to do it. But by the time you get to maybe a fourth movie, if you're going to do it, you can say, all right, let's start, let's start planting the seeds of Venom. You could have started planting the seeds of Venom in the third film by, you know, by having John Jameson come back and be like, oh, we, we figured we found this new technology, you know, this, new, this, this new polymer in space. And what happens? Peter Parker goes to cover for the bugle. Accident happens. What does he get? The brand-new polymer that, that he brings back with him. Instant Cindy. Quick and exactly. Yeah, the, the planting the seeds, like they did with uh, Doc Connor, the, the lizard. Yep. It's like in the first one, and you see the, the, one of his professors, he doesn't have an arm. It's like, holy shit, that's Doc Connor. That's going to be the lizard. At some yep. point, he's going to be the lizard. And now I'm sitting on pins and needles wondering when's that going to happen because I'm waiting. Exactly. It's that's like a perfect setup. A, it's like asking a girl out. It's like, oh, is she going to say yes or not? So it, it's yep. like you're waiting. And do you know the best scene? was in the second movie, I cried. I, I had tears in my eyes when he was saving that, that train from uh, going over the edge at the end of the rail, and he was trying to save all those people on the train, and he finally stops it, and he passes out, and they're carrying him on top of, his, on top of their arms. And yeah, that was awesome. Right. It's like there was no supervillain there. It was just good writing and good action, and he ended up doing what he does, which is save people at his own expense. And... But no, they got to shoot their wad. They got to bring in three villains. I'm just surprised that they didn't. He wasn't fighting somebody on a seesaw. Yeah, well, you never know. But um, <laughs> in, in, in going through that, I actually got some movie news I wanted to to discuss with you. Um, I I, I was going to discuss. Uh, Columbia Pictures announced that they uh got a release date for Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, which is supposed to be February 17, 2012, and yeah. Nicolas Cage is supposed to be returning for the sequel. And allegedly, it's supposed to take place in Europe, and he has yep. to protect he has to protect a baby who's supposed to or, or a child who's supposed to become the next Ghost Rider, which is rumored to be Danny Ketch. What do you think? Well, um, about the entire movie, I, I have complete reservations. It's, uh, it's also supposed to be in Romania, and they're going to involve Dracula's castle, so he might actually fight Dracula. But I I think it's to be honest, I think it's going to suck. <laughs> Look, this is why. Can I tell you why? Of course. The the script is written by, what's his name, David Goyer, if I said his name right. What David Goyer is, if you look at what he's done in the past, he did um, Unborn, 2009, uh, Jumper, um, Ghost Rider 1, Blade Trinity, all the other Blades, Blade 2, Blade 1, Mission to Mars, Kickboxer. It's like you go on Rotten Tomatoes and all of these suck. It's... it's like, what the hell did this guy do from 1991 to 2000? So, yeah, he was involved in Dark Knight, but you know who else was? Christopher and Jonathan Nolan. So yep. I don't think that this guy is that great, really. If you, look at, if you look at the past track record and line it all up, and you go, okay, this sucked, um, this sucked. He did Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. That, that guy, that, it, that's not even registered on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Mission to Mars, Rotten Tomatoes, did a 24%. Blade, 55%. Um, Ghost Rider 1, 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the most recent one, The Unborn, I never saw it, 11%. That was just I actually saw that. 
Yeah, I was actually, it actually thought it was it was oh it's a, it was a passable uh you know scary flick it was it was okay I mean the concept was kind of cool it had a couple of you know jump out of your pants kind of moments it, it was all right it was passable I mean my issue with the Ghost Rider character is just the fact that again when when you look at the first Ghost Rider film you look at it you you got Peter Fonda playing Mephisto. It's like, it's like, who decided that that was a good idea? Then, then, you know, then you got the guy who played the neighbor in American Beauty as Blackheart, and when he transforms, he looks like one of the critters. It, it's like, you know, when, when his face starts transforming, he looks like one of the critters. I'm like, I'm like, what is that? Now, everybody shits on Nicolas Cage. He wasn't the worst part of that movie. Ava Mendez has a love interest. I could get a better love interest from the broom in my closet. Uh-huh. Than from her, she was completely dry in the flick. The special effects were fantastic. The storyline was was fine. Even referencing the old, the original Ghost Rider was okay. It was just the villains were bland. You know, you could have just done Mephisto on on its own, and you could have added, you know, characters like Death Watch. You could have added some of Ghost Rider's other characters. You could have added, you know, Brother Voodoo, a couple of villains in there and made it nice and formulaic, and it would have done better. I think that when you look at the storyline, you're like, ugh, this is such horse shit. <laughs> exactly. I agree completely. I, and I then, don't have any issues with Nicolas Cage. I like the guy. The guy's a comic book geek himself. He like, he collects comic books. And so I, I, I don't have a, an issue with him as much as I do about the writers. Yeah, the writing, the writing is what really ruined that movie, because I said to myself, okay, Johnny Cage stuntman. I mean, uh, Johnny Blaze stuntman, check. Uh, makes a deal with the devil to save his dad, check. Becomes, you know, servant of the devil, check. Kills demons, got it, check. Oh, wait a minute. Has a love interest that, you know, yeah. he's worried about. Love interest, yeah. automatically. It's like, it's like must it be in there? I mean, if it's going to be in there, then make it, you know, make his, make Mephisto, you know, him not serve Mephisto and Mephisto kills his love interest. Boom. Do something like that, but all of a sudden, oh, I love you. I'm going to do wheelies on a motorcycle down a highway. It's like, ah, oh, such, yeah. such douchey behavior. Yeah, I think at some point they got to acknowledge that they ought to have the liberty to say, you know what, we're not going to do the love interest. Or, you know what, we're going to have the love interest and then we're going to kill her. At, at least Dark Knight, they had the balls to kill her. Yep, and that was a good that was a good move. I was like, wow, they actually eighty six the love interest. Like that's you know, it's like that would have been awesome. I mean, it, it is what it is. Not only that, but the death of that character shaped the dynamic for the villain in Harvey Dent becoming Two Face. Like there's certain things that you know the artistic license is fine and and it and it helps the story mesh together. But the whole involvement with the woman, it's not like he was going to stay with her at the end of the movie anyway. Yeah, because he didn't. Yeah. So it was bullshit. He's a demon. There, there you go. Hellfire. So, well, you know why else I think it's going to suck? It's, it's directed by, how do you say this? Mark Neville Dean and Brian Taylor. You know what the last yep. movie they did? Wasn't it Stomp the Yard? No. Um, they did Jonah Hex. Oh, God. I want to see it. I want to see it because of Megan. Oh, I want to see it. I want to see it just because I hear that even Josh Brolin himself was like, Fuck! Did this movie suck? <laughs> when 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 your when your lead actor says later on that he was like, "Fuck! I shouldn't have done that." You know, everybody everybody has a shitty movie under their belt. They yeah. all do. But for him to say, "Ugh, this movie was bad," like not for nothing, 
and looking at Ghost Rider, if I, if I can go back and do it, I would make Mephisto a guy like John Malkovich, who looks uh, evil. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd go that route. You go a John Malkovich, you do, you know, you kill the love interest after him not fulfilling his deal, and then you throw, in a, you throw Blackheart in there and make him turn into the comic book version for the big battle at the end and call it a day. Don't make, okay, it, don't make him turn into an emo kid with red, gla- with red eyes and a trench coat. Fucking it sucks. You're right. It would work perfect because they already played against each other in uh, Con Air. Right. And John Malkovich was... That, that was a total... Um, it was like a stupid fun movie. It was, I thought it was great. I don't think it was a good movie, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, John Malkovich, he get, that guy does, always does a good job. He's like Ben Kingsley. Yeah, he's a, John Malkovich as, as Mephisto would have been fantastic just because he has that built-in bad guy character. I think that one of the things that's important is casting. I think that when you look at casting, like there's some guys like Hugh Jackman at Wolverine, I wasn't sold on it, but his dedication to make the character work made the character work. It's like, that's what concerns me with the Deadpool movies. Like right now, you know, we got Ryan Reynolds doing Green Lantern. He's, you know, he's the golden boy of Hollywood right now. He's supposed to be doing a movie called Rip PD where yeah. he's supposed to be like, you know, a, a cop in a zombie crimes unit. And then on yeah. top of that, he wants to do Deadpool, and they want him to do a second Green Lantern. And he said, he's like, look, I want to do Deadpool. It's a great character. There's much, there's so many layers to it that would help the, car- the movie be successful. Um, you know, I really want to do it. And now there's rumors that he's not going to be able to fulfill that obligation because he has, you know, Rip PD, uh, a second Green Lantern. He's also got a movie he's working on with... Um, with Denzel Washington, which I heard was, was has, is really promising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the same thing that he's basically. Uh, it, it might not even be up to him uh, whether he's going to do Rip PD or not. You know, because that's a story by Dark Horse. So, but uh, yeah, he it sounds like he does want to do uh, Deadpool as long as they could bring in the damn costume. Which I'm sure, I'm sure if they have their way, they will. You know, if he has his way, they will. Because that's one thing I like. I like when the actors really take an interest in the characters they're portraying. Nothing put more of a smile on my face than Robert Downey Jr. walking out of a comic book store with a stack of comics that included the Avengers and various Iron Man books. Because it shows that the guy's actually taking time to learn his character. Like, Robert Downey Jr. was such a douche as Tony Stark that he made it believable, and that's what made Iron Man a success. Iron Man was successful not only because of the great costume and the kick-ass special effects, but because everybody believed, wow, Robert Downey's a complete and total douche, and that helped sell the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's total crackhead. Yeah, man, I mean, you know, you, in the second one, you know, they deviated from that, and a lot of people, especially even John Favreau's been on record saying it, he felt that the second one was almost a forced commercial for the Avengers franchise, I, I just didn't. I just didn't like it. It was just underwhelming for me. Well, what was what, what? What jumped out at you the most? Was it the casting? Was it the story? Or a combination of all of them? It was the briefcase armor. It's like I wanted to. Go, I wanted to see his Tony Stark suitcase armor, and um, I saw it, but uh, I I don't know what it was. It was hard for me to pinpoint it. it. It's like a lot of times I could go, this movie sucked because of this, this, and this. But with Iron Man 2, it's, you know, did we really need to see him dancing in? What the hell? They had him dancing there, drunk. What? I didn't want to well, see that. Well, I think that part of that came from the fact that people were like, oh, man, they've got to do the demon in a bottle storyline. It has to happen. Tony Stark has to be drunk 
And it, 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 see, that's the problem too as fans sometimes, that sometimes we're too vocal and we want it to be way too fucking perfect. And it's like, look, the Demon in a Bottle story arc was like, you know, ten issues of shit. Tony start getting a little drunk and fucked up is fine, and we move on. The only thing that I didn't like with that movie was exactly, and John Favreau said it, there was way too much Avengers setup. It's like, you know what, the Avengers movie, everyone knows is coming. Use Iron Man 2 to set up Iron Man franchise. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you did, two, you did two movies, and there was zero mention of the Mandarin, who's pivotal in all of Tony Stark's shit. How does that happen? Who, 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 who lets that slide, you know? Yeah, I heard that about the Mandarin that, that I think they might have had trouble trying to figure out, well, is it going to be magic or is it going to be technological-based uh, technology? technology-based uh, power. and well, um, well, they're foolish in thinking that because it's a fucking comic book movie, you know? <laughs> it, it, oh, yeah, we have to make it where it borders on the real. The guy created a battle suit that popped yeah. out of a suitcase. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's like when, when they're sitting there, they're like, you know, movies are a form of entertainment. They're, a, they're an escape from, from the real world. And, you know, I can, I can buy an armor jumping out of a suitcase and being put on. I can buy that. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't give a shit that, that, you know, an Asian guy has ten rings and he can beat Tony Stark's ass. I don't care. Like, there were people saying, like, oh, well, you know, they're really against typecasting and making him Asian. I'm like, uh, uh, America's Asian. Exactly. America needs to really grow a set of balls. It's like it's an Asian guy with a Fu Manchu. Suck it the fuck yeah. up and move on. Yeah, and and you know, what are they going to do to Luke Cage? Are they going to take him out of the inner city and put him in uh, suburbia when they make him uh, when they make the Luke Cage Power Man movie? It's like no, he's a guy who grew up what in the Bronx, and he talks like it too. Well, in in, in going through that, uh, they um they were saying that um in X Men First Class they're actually um they wanted to cast a, a, another mutant which is Riptide, which you know I think has popped up in a handful of books. Based on what you've been hearing from X-Men First Class, you know, what, what are your initial thoughts on it? I think it, that the message is clear, and I like what they're doing with the whole, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X dynamic with Professor X and Magneto. I like that. I just don't like that they're really trying to cram it with mutants. I, I, I'm kind of skeptical. I don't want to be, what do you call that, a, nay, a naysayer, but I, I'm skeptical about this movie, too. It's um, what do we got? We, the writer is going to Brian Singer. Um, it's, yeah, Brian Singer is doing of, a ton of mutants that nobody's really heard of or cares about. I mean, what do you know about Riptide? I only know that he's been in a handful of books and he can shoot like projectiles out of his body, and he has long hair. That's all I know. I mean, uh, there's no emotional connection to that. I think that they're really confused here. Because the reason why is that the the original X-Men were uh, like uh, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Beast, and Iceman. They're, they're not going to be there. Who's going to be there is Cyclops' younger brother. Yep, they're going to go with Havoc. Yeah, Havoc. Havoc, yeah. So what's his younger brother doing inside of a movie that's going to be like 30 years before Cyclops e is even around? So yep. their timeline is going to be – these guys are completely confused. The timeline is completely messed up. Emma Frost is going to be in it. it. It's like they're trying to do everything at once, and they can't. So – the continuity is going to be wrong. Havoc's going to be in there. Most of the actors, they're they're um, they're young and they're they're mutants that we don't really know. Um, 
the only people that we I think I actually really recognize is uh is going to be actually Emma Frost. Emma Frost is played by a what's her name January Jones. She's um yep. she's Betty on Mad Men. Mad Men, just absolutely gorgeous, and I love her character. So I think that's great. But what this is when Professor X was when he was younger. So how old is Emma Frost going to be when? The movies, yeah. you know, maybe I'm thinking too much about it, but I just don't think they got the continuity right. And I don't know. I don't got a whole lot of faith in it. Well, I think what they wanted to do is they're trying to introduce the Hellfire Club, and, you know, they got Kevin Bacon playing Sebastian Shaw, which I'm really interested to see how he pulls that yeah. off. Yeah, but, me too. you know, they want to they go with the Hellfire Club scenario, which is fine, and they want to make Emma Frost, you know, a member of the Hellfire Club. But in that case, how is she going to be older and then have a younger Professor X, does she not age? You know, like, there's certain plot yeah. holes that, that bug me out. That's exactly what I'm saying. So you got Havoc, who's younger, and Emma Frost is younger, and what, they're not going to age? Also, who else is going to be in there? It's, um... Uh, they want to do, um, do Nightcrawler's father, which is Azazel. They're yeah. going to include him in there, which is, which is totally random. The Beast. <laughs> Uh, Mystique, yeah, they're gonna have Mystique. Uh, yep. She's gonna Young be in Mystique. there. So, yeah, what are these people? They just don't age. I, yeah, so, it's I don't weird. know. I, 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 I want to see it. I want to go see it. I'm interested to see what Kevin Bacon's gonna do. Uh, I'm interested in the Hellfire Club. Um, I, I could care less who Riptide is. I don't want to go see Riptide. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Wanna see it. I want to see a naked blue chick on there. So I want to see Mystique. So. Well. I think I think it's it's going to be mixed it's going to be a mixed bag and I'm going to reserve my judgment until the trailer comes out. But um, I, I in in talking about that they were also talking about the fact that now Black Widow's going to get her own spinoff movie. Really? Yeah. Um, Kevin Feige confirmed that they're going to bring Scarlett Johansson back for a for a Black Widow flick and they're going to try and put together some concepts for a solo film. Do you think that the Black Widow character is, 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 is of the caliber that even warrants a solo project? I would say yes, if they can write a decent story. That okay. I think Black Widow is interesting, because it's not just... I'm not an expert on Black Widow, but from my understanding, Black Widow is a term for the Russian agents, and there's a whole bunch of them. And it's not just one. But I think that there's an interesting story that would be fun to read of it. I think we like seeing the Jennifer Garner hot chick who can kick ass and kill when they need to. I think we like seeing tough women on, on the screen. And we, we liked uh, Tomb Raider. Well, you know, the movie probably wasn't all that great, but we still like seeing a, a gorgeous girl who can kick ass on screen. So I'd be happy to go see it, even though she's an obscure character. Yeah, but, that, um, see, that's my, that's my main concern. I think that one of the things that's been bothering me you know, when I like that they're trying to integrate all the movies and weave them together, and that's great. I just feel that not every character, like, like you know, do we really need an Ant-Man movie? Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, I don't want to go see Ant-Man. Well, yeah, what? he's not a beautiful girl who's kicking ass. He's Ant-Man. Who cares? Exactly. You know, and it's like, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's part of the story, and people should be, people should be introduced to the characters. You know what? You can do that and just do it in a whole different way. The problem with the ensemble casting, and I've, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, is the fact that you've got so much talent, but it's really Robert Downey Jr. plus everybody else. Nobody yeah. else is, a, is of, a, of a caliber other than Sam Jackson to carry a movie with him. And it's not going to be Iron Man and Nick Fury. It's going to be the Avengers. So when you look at the caliber of actors 
that are playing, you know, Thor. Like, don't get me wrong, the actor that's playing Thor is a good actor, but he's not a, a, on a Robert, Robert Downey Jr. level uh, yeah. of acting. You know, it, it, when you look at that stuff, I, it makes me feel like it's just Iron Man and a couple of other guys. Even Chris Evans, the guy who's playing Captain America, you know, who's, who's, who's a flagship character, you know, fucking representative of the United States in the Marvel Universe is being played by a guy who's considered, I would really like to say, a second-tier actor. Like, Chris Evans is a good actor, but he's not, you know, it's not like George Clooney level. He's, you know, yeah. second yeah, right. But still, at the same time, Hugh Jackman was a nobody, but he made it work. So I still right. go back, I feel like Siskel and Ebert, I still go back to the writing. I think that a no-name can do wonders with good writing versus a great actor with mediocre writing. Well, what do you think of Joss Whedon's um, involvement in the Avengers project? I think Joss Whedon is awesome. I think I loved, I loved his work. I read Buffy, um, uh, Firefly, Serenity. I love his work. Uh, that guy gets it. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about the Avengers. I think it's going to be forced. I think it's going to be a huge concept that all these guys think they're going to make a ton of money on, bringing everything together. But I think what they're going to have is a big plate of spaghetti. They're gonna, they won't know which – it's going to be like Spider-Man 3 on steroids. They're going to have all these different heroes trying to participate, and it's just going to be a big big splash shot that's going to be just wasted. But yeah, I, I, think, I, I think hope I'm wrong. I hope so, too, because I smell that – I smell Robert Downey Jr. basically out-acting those guys. Like, I'm not saying that these guys are, are bad actors, but you've got to think about it. You're trying to capture – the, you know, the holy trinity of the Avengers, you know, with Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America, and your center stage guy is Iron Man, which is, you know, which is weird, because when you think Avengers, your center stage guy is Captain America first, then secondary is Iron Man, then Thor. And Iron Man seems to be the center stage in this particular project, which, you know, can bite them in the ass in terms of making, in terms of making stuff gel together. Well, the jury's still out because we haven't seen Thor and we haven't seen uh, Captain America yet, but you're right on the actors. But hopefully they can pull it together. Now, I'm going to definitely I'm gonna be watching that with bated breath. And the last, uh, the last thing I had wanted to ask you about was the, um, you know, that they're, trying to, they're actually going to be putting out an animated Avengers cartoon, which actually is going to be debuting October 20th. And it's going to, and here's the funny thing. The Avengers in this particular cartoon are Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, the Hulk, Ant Man, and Wasp. Gee, doesn't yeah. it sound like doesn't it sound like what's going to be in the movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, is about the yeah they're going to be doing a whole bunch of these uh, five and a half minute micro episodes, which I just saw one today with a um, with a Danny Jr. on there, and um, they're trying to make him look and sound. They're trying to make him sound um, Iron Man, just like uh, Robert Downey Jr., and yep. have him be all funny. And it's like, you know what? It, it, when he's trying to be funny with every single line, it's not funny anymore. And it, it's trying to make him snarky and fun. I, I, I hope it works. I don't know. But I don't like the art, and I don't like the way they're treating Iron Man. So it's, I'm not Iron Man to me. It's Robert Downey Jr. on, on comic book and cartoon. Works for me. Um. Yeah, I think I think we we've, we've covered everything. I think we got a, a few minutes of show left. I just want to give uh, um, give you the big plug uh, again. Superhero stuff dot com is the site. You know, um, 
anything else you want to you got you want to promote or any other projects you guys are, are working on? Um, let's see. Uh, our Facebook is going balls out. We got a lot of uh, people on there. We got a trivia every Tuesday on Facebook. We're put a lot of effort into it, and we're giving out either um, a free T-shirt every now and then on the trivia if you could answer the question. We did really hard questions this last time. People got it. I'm surprised how knowledgeable those people are. <laughs> we got um, memorable moments in comics that we write on our blog that goes to our Facebook. The last one we did was Secret Wars and talked about Spider-Man's uh, suit. And the thing I brought up with the, on, on uh, the memorable moments was Spider-Man ends up getting his black suit in Secret Wars, but he got it from the same machine that gave Thor his new helmet and cape. But they never yep. turned that into a symbiote, which they should have, but they didn't. So um, Yeah, and I, I, liked your, I liked your Infinity Gauntlet post. I actually, I actually read that um, earlier this week, and I, I, I like that, man. That, Infinity Gauntlet was, was such an awesome storyline. Thank God that they're not going to try and bring that to the silver screen because it would be a clusterfuck. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, when they're trying to do too much, that only works in the comic books, and even then they drop the ball. So, But we got a ton of T-shirts we're coming in. Um, you know, we're still a small fish in a huge pond. we got a lot of huge uh, competitors out there. But, you know, we do our best to try and carry those niche, obscure heroes and villains on T-shirts. You know, it's not everywhere you can go see a Doctor Doom or Dead Man or Demon T-shirt out there or or a cool Wonder Woman shirt. And we got some new um, uh, shirts with capes on it you've probably seen. Yeah, I like, I like those. I I, I probably, my, my fiance may want to get one of those for a Comic-Con. I've actually been eyeballing the Wolverine leather jacket. I'm going to try and see oh. if I can find a way to get that. Me too. Those things are so damn expensive. I, I've been wanting to get one. They're like 350 bucks, but those are awesome. I, I talked to the guys in the warehouse, and they say that's an awesome jacket that looks really nice. But, um, yeah, we're going to try and do all the conventions that we can next year, and um, that, that's about it. But yeah, well, if you want to get on our newsletter, then uh, they will, uh, we send out a newsletter every week or so. And um, oh, nice! I'll just email maybe I'll just do that. I'll I'll, I'll subscribe to that because usually I just follow the fan page, you know. Yeah, just um, yeah, we'll probably post it. It's pre- I think it's posted on our Facebook page off on the left. Well, how to get to the newsletter? All right, uh, cool. we've got all sorts of discounts and cool stuff. Well, you know, you got you, you got you got friends here at My Take Radio, and if you want, um, you know, if, if you get a chance, maybe have our you know, one of your web guys get in contact with me. I can throw a banner for superhero stuff on, on MyTakeRadio.com, so more people can from the show can hit you guys up for for superhero merch. Cool, hey, that'd be awesome. We'd appreciate that. Probably yeah, man. Oh, I, I I appreciate that, man. It, it was it was kick-ass talking to you. I told you, man. The uh, the, the, the prep work wasn't needed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you very much, Rich. I appreciate it. It was an honor, and it's a blast uh, hanging out and talking with you. Oh, yeah, man, definitely. I, I definitely look forward to having you on in the future, man. Definitely with more of these Marvel flicks coming out, we definitely got to talk more for sure. Yeah, it'd be great to uh, rehash after the movies, and um, I'd love to eat my words and say that I was totally wrong, totally off base. This movie rocked. So, sounds good, man. We'll, we'll definitely keep in touch, man. Th- thank you again for, for stopping in. Hey, thanks a lot, Rich. You take care. All right, brother. You too. Thanks. Okay. Bye. All right. That was Renando Long from SuperheroStuff.com. I'm going to post a link for that in the show notes. You can head over to to SuperheroStuff.com to check out some of their new merchandise. You can also look them up on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com. I believe it's slash uh, SuperheroStuff. If not, I will also post a a link in the Facebook fan page. I definitely want to thank Renando 
for, for stopping in and talking some comics with us. I just want to go through a couple of things real quick um, with uh, some game news, nothing, nothing too crazy. Uh, just wanted to, no, actually, actually, no, my game, my game news are actually, uh, pretty spare, so I'm not going to go too crazy in it, but I do actually want to reference that you can be able to pick up Comic Jumper, which we talked about because it has, uh, some added levels for Explosion Man. You're going to be able to pick that up the first week of October on Xbox Live, so definitely for those of you that are fans of Explosion Man, you can definitely check that out. Um, in addition to that, there will be a, uh, a Worms game coming out for the Wii titled Worms Battle Islands. You're going to be able to pick that up uh, probably within the next few months. So you're going to be able to get a Worms title on the Wii. And lastly, Christopher Nolan is saying that there will be an Inception video game spinoff. Uh, Christopher Nolan said in an interview with Variety that the game is on its way for the film. One, and he states the following, and I quote, One thing we're looking at doing is developing a video game based on the world of the film, which has all kinds of ideas that you can't fit into a feature film, he says. That's something we've been talking about and are looking at doing long-term in a couple of years. And lastly, I want to congratulate the uh, Pokemon Black and White, which has already done huge numbers in Japan in the first two days of release. Uh, it has sold 2 million units within their first two days. It's a combined total of 2,630,285 units in the first two days, which is a record for first week sales for that series. The closest games that had numbers similar were the Diamond and Pearl series, which sold 1.5 million units in the first week. For those of us here in North America, we'll be getting the Pokemon Black and White next spring. Lastly, um, my notes were a little jumbled. Actually, that's it. That's the video game news was kind of scarce this week, so you know I had to jump around a little bit because of our guest. Again, I want to thank Renando Long from SuperheroStuff.com. They get the first plug of the night. Uh, you can check them out at SuperheroStuff.com and look for Superhero Stuff on Facebook as well. Of course, I want to thank all the supporters of the show, RazorClothing.tv. That's Razor Rob's clothing company. Uh, NortheastWasteland.com, which is now GamerWave.com. Uh, Kai, who is a uh, regular guest on the show and a supporter of the show, um, actually wrapped up Northeast Wasteland and launched his new project, GamerWave. Look for GamerWave on Facebook and also head over to GamerWave.com and you can check out the GamerWave podcast as well. Uh, stop by, let Kai know how, how much of a kick-ass job he's doing. I actually want to try and get him back on so we can talk more about his new GamerWave project and some of the new gaming news, so definitely check that out. GoCreedGo.com, of course, website for Austin Creed, formerly Consequences Creed from TNA, who is now on his way to become a WWE superstar at FCW. You can follow him on Twitter as well. His Twitter name is um, Xavier Woods. That's the name of his character on uh, FCW. So definitely stop in, check him out, or go to GoCreedGo.com. Of course, GiantSparrow.com is the site for Max Geiger from Deadliest Warrior. It's his new video game project that he's working out. He's working at check out uh, GiantSparrow.com for more details. Doc's Vitamin Water, got to give a shout-out to Dr. Armand Dorian from The Deadliest Warrior. Uh, those guys I know are super excited now that The Deadliest Warrior is well on its way to becoming a feature film. Head over to DrinkDocs.com or look for Doc's Vitamin Water on Facebook and become a fan. Of course, TheGirlGamer.com and GamingAngels.com, ladies, um, supporters of the show, 
always letting, uh, always willing to lend a little bit of feedback or a helping hand when I have certain questions. Uh, they actually did a, uh, a really great take on the Girl Gamer article I had posted. So if you're on Twitter, you can follow at Girl Gamer or you can follow Angel from Girl Gamer at GG uh, Angel Thanatos. That's on Twitter. Or you can follow at Gaming Angel and uh, let Trina from Gaming Angels know what you think of her comments on the Girl Gamer article. So definitely girlgamer.com and gamingangels.com. Got to get a shout-out. Uh, the crew over at MMAGospel.com also supported the show. Gary and Turk do a great job. You can catch their show Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Uh, you can get more information at MMAGospel.com or fighters.com. Of course, Josh from MMAValley.com, huge supporter of the show. Got to give him a shout-out as well. Uh, Brooks McBeth, of course, one of our first guests out there doing his stand-up with Joe McHale. You can check it out at MySpace.com slash Brooks McBeth or YouTube.com slash Brooks McBeth, or look for him on Facebook. Uh, Shout-out to Don Anderson and the VGN Radio crew. You can catch Don's show, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And you can also check out VGN and their network of shows at VGNRadio.com and ClevelandSportsRadio.com as well. And, of course, Blaine from BornStubberRadio.com, huge supporter of the show. They did a lot of the great graphics work that you'll be seeing on the MyTake Radio uh, business cards. Blaine is a uh, fantastic, talented dude. That He does great web work. If you want graphics or cool web design or you want to hear a kick-ass, crazy podcast, definitely head over to BornStubberRadio.com and drop Blaine a line for any of your graphics needs if you like some of the stuff he's done for the uh, MyTake Radio business cards. Last but not least, 411mania.com for their kick-ass wrestling coverage and MMA coverage, much like MMAJunkie.com, who do a great job covering my favorite sport, MMA, and, of course, FilmDrunk.com for their kick-ass movie news, OCRemix.org for their music. And with that, last but not least, if you've got an email with any questions or concerns or if you'd like to be a guest on MyTake Radio, email me, mtrhost at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow my personal account at Akuma25, or you can follow the show account at MyTakeRadio. We are on MySpace still, myspace.com slash MyTakeRadio. And, of course, we're on Facebook. Just look up the Facebook fan page, uh, facebook.com slash MyTakeRadio. You just heard MyTakeRadio episode 60 for Thursday, September 23rd, 2010. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to donate to the Making Strides Against Cancer Walk, I will be posting a link on the fan page. And with that, Epic NES is going to take us out. You can check out their music at myspace.com slash epicnesband. Thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you all next week. Peace.